guys we're going in with uh j dreamers and <laughs> i don't know survivors of the, the junkyard world steampunk okay which i'll probably do a video well yeah hold on oh it's gonna be him oh. all day long. all right so anyhow that's steampunk okay um it's sort of a genre it's sort of a niche you know and it's becoming very popular my family and i actually recently we go to the we went to the um uh the renaissance festival or the ren fest as we call it right and at the renaissance festival there's a lot of people starting to dress up in steampunk right like steampunk batman or steampunk you know victorian look or whatnot and it's funny because i always wonder like do the do the renaissance people have a problem with like the steampunk people you know like is there this unspoken rivalry between the two you know but anyhow you steampunk know. has its origins i believe in our hidden history i look goofy at this thing on right uh these were actually donated by uh one of uh our viewers one of my viewers uh, this is probably the one well it's probably one of the first things that was ever donated these are supposed to be to my trip to the north pole which is in the works but let's get back into steampunk okay basically it has its origins in our hidden history of the world specifically as many of you who watch my channel know um, I've been talking a lot about how the plasma apocalypse is so pertinent and crucial and central uh, to the to our timeline, to our story, which is funny because I was watching uh, I was watching the movie Brave. I had never seen that. Pixar's Brave, right? I oh, watched that last night that. for the first time with Jenny, and I was talk talking with her about the Pixar theory, which I'll probably do a video about, okay? Um, and I was telling her, like, Pixar got it right, man. Like, the Pixar theory is real, but it's not you just the Pixar theory. It's the everything theory. Every movie, you could apply the Pixar theory to. Every movie uh, studio, every production, they're all, they all have their own timeline because it's just our story. They're retelling. That's the only thing that can be told. That's the only story. I say this a lot. Our story from beginning to end is the only story that has ever been told. And um, you better be listening. the interesting things like sci-fi and fantasy and steampunk and all these genres um, that, that we're so entertained by, those are the hidden history that we don't remember. Those are the parts of our history and our past or present or future uh, that we don't recall for some strange reason, right, which I'll talk about. But let's check out some of these pictures because the steampunk is in a lot of movies. You can't always pick it out. And some some movies, some TV shows, uh, some pop culture references, they don't tell you, well, this is a steampunk movie, you know? And by the way, the, the one movie I saw that really kicked me in the butt and made me want to do this video finally is um, Alita Battle Angel. I think that's what it's called. Actually, I'm going to have some pictures of that in here as well. But I was watching Alita Battle Angel. Let's start with that. Let me see if I could find it. Uh, actually, there's probably gonna be a lot of pictures. Hey, there, there she is right there. Cool. All right, so this is a picture from the movie Alita Battle Angel, right? Basically, right off the bat, you can see she's sort of a cyborg, right? In the movie, she has a human brain, and I think maybe some sort of a, you know, some sort of a partially human heart or something, right? But that's a part of the steampunk world as well. Now, in the movie... It starts off, this is so crazy, right? Why, right when I'm watching this movie, my mind is immediately blown. I'm watching this movie, and there's this city in the sky, and they dump all their trash 
down onto our world, onto the ground, right? And uh, so it basically creates this sort of giant junkyard that just piles up everywhere. And then the denizens of the lower world, us basically, we go and we sift through, you know, all of the, basically the elites or the rich people's garbage that they've dumped onto our world. And we're like, wow, look at this, look at this. Well, that's where, uh, that's where Alita's maker finds her, right? Um, he scans her. He sees that she still has her, her brain is working, so she's alive, you know. Um, but he picks her up out of the junkyard. And for me, this is crucial because since I started studying the plasma apocalypse, um, and I'll, I'll go to camera too. I'll give you guys a really quick and very brief rundown of this as well. Um, oh, by the way, hey, if you like the music for my intro, I made that. For my website, for the uh, for the steampunk. You are so talented, James. Okay, is for is uh gravity, okay, or electromagnetism, or whatever you guys want to call it. Um, anyhow, that's gonna be gone while the sky opens up for for a little while, not for not for a long time, okay. But afterwards, gravity is gonna be weakened, okay. Gravity, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, back to camera two. <laughs> Made a big deal about that on purpose. Anyway, so the world is pressurized. When the sky opens up, the world will be depressurized. And we'll go from our 5G technology to 0G or zero gravity, right? And everything is going to be basically start to get sucked up into what is commonly referred to as space. Okay, whatever's outside of our world. It's going to start getting sucked up. Well, that's not going to last forever. And the electromagnetism around our world, okay... There's this, uh, basically, there's an electromagnetic force field that will go back up around our world. When that goes back up, everything's, uh, you know, gravity, whatever you want to call it, will be restored. And all this stuff that started to get sucked up that didn't make it, it's going to fall back down. Okay? Everything's going to fall back down into our world. So basically, instead of going up, it's all going to be going down. Right? All the trash, all the cars, all the things that didn't quite make it out of our world is going to come crashing right back down. That is relevant because that is exactly what gives us this whole post-apocalyptic landfill world, garbage dump world, uh, junkyard planet, whatever you would like to call it, okay? But that's what happens. Uh, basically, the, the end of the world... In various terms, okay, uh, you could call it Armageddon, you could call it the cyclical reset, you could call it whatever you want, basically. This is the beginning point and the end point of every civilization and every culture simultaneously. Now, here's what happens. Uh, first and foremost, a lot of people are going to forget, okay, your brain, many people's brains, not everybody, many people's brains will actually be rebooted, okay, and there's going to be a lot of amnesia, people won't remember who they are or what they're doing there or whatever, but as time goes on, the survivors will wake up and they're going to go around sifting through the garbage of the prior world, one, in order to find out, you know, who they are, in order to find out where they, where they are, Right? Who am I? Where am I? Oh, I should probably jump in the chat and ask, um, hey, does everything okay? I got a new microphone. Thanks to so many of you. I really appreciate you. Hopefully it sounds good. I put it, it took me forever to figure out where to put it so that it sounds the best. But uh, please do let me know if 
the audio, the video, everything's good. Some uh, thumbs up or positive emojis would help me out a lot. Uh, I think I'm getting better at this, I must say. I think I'm getting a little bit better. Hey, Vanessa says it's perfect. Mother Dragon says everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're surviving the apocalypse. Okay, stop. So I'm always working, no matter what these people are saying. I'm always learning, always working, whether I upload it as a show or not. Uh, you guys are getting the real news. Uh, this is uh, Warren Buffett on the markets. It was in February, but excuse me, wisdom is worth hearing. Here we go. We're going to see weakness as not only China, but other countries try and address this. Uh, you're right. It may not change things over the five or 10 year span of things. But if I think that I can buy something for potentially 10% cheaper, maybe more than that, if I wait a week or a month, maybe that's what I'm sitting around. Well, if you think so. that, then you've got to, you're going to get fabulously rich if you're right. <laughs> All you have to do is just keep buying at 10 day intervals and keep taking your 10 day prediction. If I knew what the market was going to do, obviously, but you, you, you don't, uh, I, I don't think anybody knows what the market's going to do. I think you don't, do know whether you're making an intelligent person, purchase at a given price. Everybody, when they buy a stock, if you're going to buy, say, General Motors, that has a billion, 400 million shares out, you should be able to take a yellow pad like you have there and on one page say, let's say it's selling for 30. It isn't selling that low, but that'd be 42 billion. You should say, I am buying the General Motors company for $42 billion because, and you should get it on a piece of paper. And then if you want to have a separate piece of paper, it says, I think I know what the stock market's going to do, so I know whether it'll be higher or lower. In it. But you don't. Uh, you don't have that. The reason, no, but the if, if I worry that the economy is going to slow down, not just for the quarter, but for the year, that would impact how many cars I think they might be able to sell or even produce. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you cars are going to slow down someday. <laughs> they, uh, in... in in 1932, General Motors had 19,000 dealers. That's more than all the auto dealers in the United States today. There were only 125 million people then, but they had 19,000 dealers. They produced uh, or sold, and there was one month, I think, when they sold less than a tenth of a car, right at a tenth of a car per dealer. That was a terrific time to buy General Motors. <laughs> and, uh, and forget about the market. If you can predict the market, you don't need to read balance sheets. You don't need. You don't need. To read, uh, you don't need to read anything. You, you certainly can't predict the market by reading the daily newspaper. That is for sure. And you really can't. You certainly can't predict the market by listening to me. Uh, but you're buying businesses. And if you plan to buy a local service station yesterday and it was closing today, I don't think you'd tear your hair out or anything like that. You'd have already looked at where it was located and the contract that they had with the suppliers and made a decision on competition. Uh, people, because they can make decisions every second in stocks, whereas they can't with farms, they think an investment in stocks is different than an investment in a business or an investment in a farm or investment in an apartment house. Uh, but it isn't. It, it, if you get your money's worth in terms of future earning power over the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, you're going to have made a good investment. And you can't pick them from day to day. If you can do that, you can, well, I haven't met anybody yet that... that you, you made a point of that in the letter this year where you highlighted a book that was written by Edgar Lawrence Smith back in 1924. And you said until he came along, nobody really realized the compound interest effect of buying stocks, not just buying businesses, but buying stocks themselves. 
Edgar Lawrence Smith changed the world with that book, and the people have forgotten all about it now. Although in the 1920s it, it became more and more gospel as the boom went on, but Edgar Lawrence Smith set out to write a book on bonds versus stocks, and he said that he went in with the idea that bonds would be a better investment in times of deflation, and stocks would be a better uh, investment in times of inflation. And the first line of his book was to say that he'd been wrong. But he had enough sense to look at his evidence. I, mean, I think Darwin said if you found evidence that was contrary to what you already believed, write it down in 30 minutes or your, your mind will just block it out. I mean, people have a great resistance to new evidence. And he said if a stock yields 4% and a bond yields 4%, which was what he was talking about then, the stock was going to outperform the bonds because there were retained earnings that were building beyond that yield. And that's, that had been true for a long, long time, but nobody paid any attention to it. Uh, we don't get rich on our dividends that we receive, although we're happy to receive them. We get rich on, on, on the fact that the retained earnings are used to build new earning power, repurchase uh, shares, which increases your ownership in the company. And, and, uh, uh, and, and Berkshire has retained earnings ever since we started. That's the only reason Berkshire's worth a lot more as we retain earnings. That, that, that led Keynes to actually say that this was an important book. People paid attention to it, but you're right. It added to the frenzy that built up to 1929. Anyway, all right, let's go through some of these pictures, all right? Uh, I'm just going to comment on a lot of these, all right? Uh, I say all right a lot. I know I'm working on it. Anyway, uh, gas masks. Okay, gas masks are going to be seen a lot in the post-apocalyptic movies, in... Um, all the steampunk genres, you know, various sorts of masks and gas masks and stuff like that. Well, that's because um, as a part of this hole in the sky opening up, it's going to create a worldwide storm, which is going to blow a lot of stuff up into the air, not just dust and dirt and things of that nature, but all of our poison and all of our crap that we have left behind. You know, it's going to it's going to take a little while before it settles down. So that's why the movies and television and pop culture, that's why they show you stuff like these gas masks being worn in all of these post-apocalyptic movies or steampunk or whatever you it's all the same it's basically all the same okay so the steampunk era if i were to draw a timeline right you know what i could draw a timeline let's go right back to camera two why not let's just draw ourselves a little timeline here all right i'm going to show you the timeline of our esoteric and hidden history all right now the beginning and the end it's not really a timeline it's more like a time loop but because we're used to lines and linear I'll just draw a line there, okay? So this and this, plasma apocalypse, right? Here and here. Okay, I'm not an artist, sorry. Anyway, that's the beginning and the end, okay? So some things on our timeline, especially... And this also applies to, like, every movie ever made. You could put them all on this timeline, all right? Let's go back to it. All right, so um, you've got the, like, amnesia. You know, you got right when it happens, and then the people wake up. They've got sort of amnesia. They start looking through all of the junk. They start rebuilding their civilizations. That's about where we are, approximately, in the timeline. Now, over here would be, like, oh, and there's also... In this area is like the Phantasoids, 
Okay, probably, maybe even this area right here. Phantazoids are an entirely different subject, uh, so I'm the only one that talks about Phantazoids. I, I would say Google it, but you can't, because then it's just going to be my my YouTube channel and my website pop-up. But basically, they're the great beasts of old and the monsters, okay? Um, and then other stuff happens along that timeline. You know, eventually things start to settle down, and then when you get towards the end of the timeline, right, when you get... Okay, this part is what I call, like, the boring part, all right? Not that it's boring, it's just that there's not... It's not a lot of stuff happening that I'm really interested in. It's a lot of, like, relationships between mankind and stuff and fighting and wars and stuff. And then at the end back here, this is when you get more into, like, your uh, sci-fi era. Okay? That's the sci-fi era. That's, that's the time of the gods, okay? When the gods are at their peak, that is us, okay, so to speak, without being blasphemous or, you know what I mean, just calm down. <laughs> but anyhow, that's the sci-fi era. And immediately after the sci-fi era is when the world starts over, basically, right? And it can happen in different ways. It can be hurried up. It can be slowed down. It depends on how much time passes from one reset to the next reset. All right, so this guy's got the gas mask. That's why he has the gas mask on. Now, you're going to notice a lot of the junkyards in pop culture, in the movies and stuff. Why Why would you even have a junkyard in your movie? Like, okay, maybe occasionally, I guess, you know, but it's a junkyard. It's not like the most attractive, appealing thing. It's also not very mysterious. or It's just trash. And it's not just a junkyard. It's just trash references, all right? There's going to be a lot of these. Now, I do want to point something out in this particular picture. Uh, I think this is from something called Monster Trucks. I've never seen it, but, you know, I, I know what it's about. A lot of these movies, I already know what they're about. I could just, I could get like two seconds of a, I could look at the thumbnail. I'm like, okay, I know where it is on the timeline. Poe, I know exactly what it's about. You know what I mean? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Anyhow, you're going to see this nasty looking monster thing in this picture right here. Let me see if I can make this a little bigger. See that thing? That is a phantazoid. I don't know if they know it, right? I don't know if the movie people know it, but that's a phantazoid. Phantazoids, a.k.a. monsters or the great beasts of old or cryptids, you know, those aren't all exactly the same, but good enough, right? The phantazoids are usually actually associated with the junkyards or with landfills or with garbage heaps or trash compactors or, you know what I mean? All these references, um... Uh, garbage trucks, all that stuff. There's usually, there's sometimes, I'll say, uh, monsters that like live inside of them for some odd reason. Well, if you go back to the timeline, you can see exactly why. Uh, let's go back here. So this right here, this is the time right here is where the, uh, the phantazoids fall into our world. Okay. They come into our world or they come up from the ground or both. Right. And they live with us for a short period of time. Right. They don't stay around forever, um, and those that do survive and procreate, their their offspring get like smaller and smaller in order to fit this world, especially uh, later on once uh, once gravity is restored to its full capacity. But anyhow, uh, that's why. Okay, the the 
the Phantazoids, they fall in, the monsters or whatever you want to call them, they fall into this world right along with the trash, right along with right along with all of the broken junk and the cars and the houses or, you know what I mean? Like in The Wizard of Oz, like the house comes crashing down and kills the Wicked Witch or whatever. Um, all this stuff is falling down. Let's check out some more pictures here. This is from Transformers, okay? You got the, the mechanical T-Rex with the red eye. Right? The red eye always represents the plasma apocalypse. It's specifically the one eye or the all-seeing eye, right? That, that's going to be the, the black hole sun or that giant red eye that opens up in the sky, the evil eye that opens up in the sky and lets in the plasma and sucks everything up and then spits everything back down. Um, that's almost always what that's associated with every time. But this is from Transformers. Transformers are a play on... Uh, well, this one right here is a play on the, I don't know, I would say maybe the kaiju or creature class of phantasoids. Um, but the other Transformers are basically a play on the, the gods or the giants, you know, the bipedal silica beings that, that come into our world. They're the bipedal phantasoids. But uh, this is a junkyard scene, right, in Transformers. And he's eating one of the cars. That's also another thing that they like. Uh, they'll show you... Uh, these monsters that that come down from the sky or whatever they're very they, they want to eat sometimes okay not all the time so don't quote me but they typically are shown like wanting to eat metal or specifically you know consume electricity they go after things that have electricity some like mechanical objects and stuff so you've got this guy who represents the great beasts of old aka dinosaurs Okay, I like the concept of dinosaurs. I think that we're just a little bit off when it comes to dinosaurs. I believe that they were the phantasoids. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if they looked exactly like that. But anyhow, so he's eating that car. Another thing you'll see, you don't really see the junkyard in this picture, but just trust me, he's in the junkyard right now. Um, in the junkyard, they usually have these big claw machines, right? Of course, because you need stuff to pick up big, heavy, metallic objects. The claw machines are usually shown in these junkyard scenes because the claws represent the plasma fingers or the plasma tentacles. Oh, whoa, I'm glitching out. I'm glitching out. Oh, no, I'm a reptilian. Anyways, the claw represents uh, the plasma tentacles that come down, right? So they usually will show you... Uh, and allow these machines to sort of make an appearance there. Here's another one. This is from Superman. Another thing that's associated with the junkyard world is superheroes. Okay, for some reason, superheroes are usually associated with these junkyard worlds. Superman has this huge identity crisis. I think this is Superman 3, I want to say. Um, but the supermen, a.k.a. the fallen angels, or the gods, or the vampires, or, you know, whatever you guys want to call them, okay? They go by many, many, many names. Uh, and I do talk about many of those names on my website. Feel free to check it out, jdreamers.com. Uh, I'm so excited about my website. I'll talk to you guys about that at the end. Um, anyhow, Superman, that's what he represents. He represents these beings that came down from another world, etc. Well, they can only do that during the plasma apocalypse. And they come down immediately into a trash world, into a landfill, into a garbage world, or a, a junkyard planet, you know? And that's why you have Superman in this junkyard scene, you know? Of all the places they could have had Superman do this, there's so many barren areas on Earth, right? Why would they put Superman into a junkyard? They could have put him anywhere, right? This is why. It's because of uh, the worldwide de decompression.
and then that uh the pressure being restored uh this is another one from what is it star wars oh god forbid i say star trek right star wars uh this is they're in the trash compactor this is a classic scene right well they fall in and it's sort of soupy and stuff and it's all gross there's trash everywhere and this is an odd scene what a weird scene it didn't have to be a giant trash compactor they could have made this anything and on top of it uh someone may someone may have uh I need a pink emoji. Okay, I can, get, I can put a pink emoji in there. Anyways, um, they put a monster, they put a phantasoid in this particular scene. I don't have a, a picture of it, but this is weird, you know, pink-looking phantasoid, this sort of fleshy phantasoid thing that's in there with them. Like I said, they usually are associated with monsters as well. This is the Mad Max world, okay? This, this is the leftovers, the leftovers from the prior age, the leftovers from our age, basically, right? We're pretty close. Leftovers from the time of the gods, right? Where people start scrapping through, uh, what do you call those people? Oh, scavengers. It's a scavenger world, okay? I hope you like scavenger hunts. <laughs> because if you want to survive, and you do, you're probably going to be on a scavenger hunt. But that's what Mad Max and all this stuff is about. These post-apocalyptic movies where they're just finding things, wearing their goggles. Uh, the, the steampunk portion of it comes in because we lost... You know, all of our technology, all of that stuff gets sucked up into the sky. Many people forget. The brain is rebooted. They don't remember technology. Um, I guarantee you I'm not going to, even if I survive, right, and I keep every single one of my memories, I'm not going to be able to make a smartphone. No. Every form of technology will be coveted. It will be revered. It will be honored and respected. It will be looked at as magic from, from the ancient gods, right? And people will go on hunts for relics around our world. They'll be looking for those relics. And uh, that's kind of what Mad Max is. Whenever you see these vehicles, these are the ones that fell back to Earth, okay? Or were somehow didn't get sucked up into the sky. You know, maybe they were underground or maybe they were tied down, whatever, you know? Um... So that's the whole Mad Max thing. See this guy right here? Another thing you're going to notice is these pale, white-skinned, albino-looking people in these movies. Mad Max has a couple of them. We already talked about Alita. That's a great movie. Actually, I might do a movie, a Truth in Movies breakdown on Alita. Because there's a lot going on. Especially with this blue, this white baby blue flame sword deal she has. <clears throat> Genesis in the Bible. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, yeah, I might have to break that down. Oh, the movie Nine. This is steampunk. This is th These are the steampunk survivors. This is waking up in a post-apocalyptic garbage world where everything's destroyed and everything's fallen down. Uh, this is, I just put this, some of this stuff is just an example, you know. Um, a lot of times steampunk, you know, is kind of portrayed and iconic when people wear like the top hat and this guy even has a real big collar well i've talked about the top hat and the collar before the top hat uh the wizard's hat the conical hat whatever you want to call it um the phrygian cap right that's all because those beings that come down here have much bigger heads and so they wear hats to match right that's why the elite wear hats that are way too big for their heads it's not because you know it's just some nonsensical status symbol right my hat's way big therefore i'm rich and powerful no i don't think so the hat's big because they're gods they're leaders etc they had big heads so that's why this is typically portrayed because this is when this is the time 
you know, during the plasma apocalypse, when those beings come down into our world. Now, there's rules associated with that. They're not supposed to interfere. They're not supposed to make themselves known. They're supposed to watch and, you know, just kind of keep their eyes on things and, and help out when they can, maybe answer questions or, you know what I mean? But they're not supposed to go changing societies and introducing futuristic technologies and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, you got the top hat and then the collar, of course, because I believe these beings are photophobic, which means that they're very sensitive to sunlight. And so they have these huge collars to flip up so they keep the sun off their back. This is from Doctor Who, OK, who, for all intents and purposes, is one of those beings. All right. And, uh, you know, this happens to be a Christmas episode. There's always a Christmas Day catastrophe in the Doctor Who series. Hmm. Why? Because it happens on Christmas Day. Well, I mean, there's actually two plasma apocalypses. Is that how you say that? Apocalypses? Apocal... Anyway, there's two of them. Uh, there's one in the summer solstice, I believe, and there's one in the winter solstice. I've mostly been studying the winter solstice ones, so please don't ask me too much about summer solstice one, um, because I need to I need to research that one a bit further. Thankfully, we've already passed the summer solstice, so that's good news for many of us, right? Anyway, Christmas Day catastrophe, and over here on the right, you can see the landfill. Doctor Who fights his nemesis, this guy with the blonde hair, and typically it's blonde or red hair. Right, that represent these beings. This is the landfill. He fights in a landfill, just like Superman did. This is from the movie Nine. This is a really, this is a, like one of the bad guys. Okay, this is one of the survivors. What he does, he's a little puppet. He's a little uh, homunculi. What he does is he goes around. He's picking up all this debris. There's, this is just trash from a leftover world, from a leftover age that he's wearing. Oh, Rue. Hey, Rue. I just, I happened to glance at the chat. Dude, please ask me that question. Once I'm done with this presentation, I'll be happy to answer that. She's asking about, like, how do our memories get reset? But as you can see, he's just piecing together this debris, right? This cargo. It's a cargo cult mentality, okay? There's a great video on YouTube um, about the cargo cults. I highly re recommend searching for it. Check it out. But he's picking up all the cargo, all the debris, all the stuff that was left over from the prior age, and he is making it like a religious symbolism you know what i mean it, it becomes more than what it really is which has been passed on to us in our world today that's where we get all of our religious uh icons and our symbolisms and our and our and all that stuff uh let's see this guy's got the the big collar Right. In order to protect him from the sun. Also, he's wearing uh, gloves and he's pretty much completely covered head to toe to keep him safe. Uh, this one was pretty cool. Some of these are just random pictures I picked off the Internet. As you can see, you got the top hat, the goggles in order to keep all that debris out of your face. Uh, a lot of people. OK, it's very it's kind of when, when they talk about and when they display the whole steampunk era, this whole steampunk uh, subject. Right. They tend to make it very sexual, okay? Um, that's because it's going to be... Hey, I got a donation! Cloven E funded... Cloven E funded CA $5 says pre-plasma charge to get immunity to plasma to survive the event and become superhuman. Ooh. I'm going to come back to that at the end, but thank you very much for your donation. I'm going to reread that when I jump in the chat. Uh, so anyhow, what happens is the weather is going to be really nice after the plasma apocalypse um 
What Our world it? is going to go back into more of a garden place, a garden paradise, if you will. And the weather is going to be really great. There's not going to be much of a need to, to wear, you know, big long sleeve clothes or anything like that. People are going to pretty much be half naked. So that's why it's portrayed like that. Not in order to like sexualize it. Of course, some people are going to be drawn to that because of because of the era that we live in now. Okay, but in the time to come, that's not going to be seen as sexual. It's going to be seen as normal, right? And necessary because if you put on all these extra stuff, you're going to be super hot. Not only that, but there's also this to consider. There's not going to be a lot of extra clothing just lying around because it all got sucked up into, you know, the beyond or whatnot. Yeah, this is I, I put a few shots of Superman in here because I, I like this particular scene. But that's the junkyard scene once again. He's pissed off. You know what's really interesting? The guy that played uh, the original Superman on like the television show, Yvonne. Hey, thanks, Yvonne. Yvonne Gale pledged ten dollars on Patreon. That, that is true because you can get uh, old boss Ben Graham told me very early on you get more trouble with a good idea than a bad idea because the good idea works. I mean, it's a good idea to buy a home, for example, and then. People go crazy sometimes. A good idea works, and it works, and it works. Stocks work out better than bonds most of the time. And after a while, people forget that there were some other limiting conditions. With Edgar Lawrence Smith's book, it was that when bonds yield the same as stocks, which was the case then, the stocks are going to outperform because they have this retained earnings. So stocks started going up in the 20s, and all of a sudden they were selling at five or six times the prices as when he bought the book. And the original correct uh perception on his part and experienced changing conditions but people just looked they, they got their confirmation through stock prices and people that's what happens in bull markets people people start out thinking stocks are cheap and then they start thinking stocks have gone up and and a stock can be a good buy or a bad buy a bond can be a good buy or a bad buy it depends on price but that leads us to today i mean if his premise was that stocks are always going to be a better uh, a better investment than bonds. That's kind of what you hear today, which we've been hearing for a while is, Tina, there is no alternative, right? You have to buy stocks because bond yields are so low, because interest rates are so low. Well, if, if you look at the present situation, we've talked about this before, that you get more for your money in stocks than bonds. That doesn't have to be the case. I mean, uh, uh, but it's usually been the case in, in America, very usually been the case. And, and if you buy a 30-year bond today with a yield 2%, you're paying 50 times earnings for an investment where the earnings can't go up for 30 years. Now, if somebody said, I want to sell you a stock that's at 50 times earnings and the earnings can't go up for 30 years, you'd say, that doesn't sound very good. Stocks are way better than 30-year bonds. I mean, it's, 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 it, that's clear. And, and that's one of the alternatives people have. People really have three basic alternatives, short-term cash, which is an option of doing something later on, long-term bonds or, or, or long-term stocks, and stocks are cheaper than bonds. Charlie said recently, Charlie Munger, the vice chairman at Berkshire Hathaway, had his daily journal meeting just a couple of weeks ago. And at that meeting, he said that there's a lot of wretched excess out there and that there's a lot of trouble coming as a result. Do you agree with that? There's always trouble coming. Yeah, there was trouble coming in 1942 when I bought that first stock, all kinds of trouble. Philippines were going to fall pretty soon. I'm never, uh, there's all kinds of trouble in 1949. There was trouble, uh, certainly trouble in 2008 when I wrote an 
article for the New York Times. I said trouble is coming, but I said buy stocks. <laughs> <laughs> would you repeat that this time? If trouble's coming, would you still say buy stocks right now? I would say buy stocks if you get enough for your money. And, you know, we buy a few stocks. But Warren Buffett um, for financial news on Kyla Paris Radio. Okay, guys. That's awesome. Hey, I, I'm totally jumping in the chat. I'm going to say thank you to everybody and read all your stuff. Um, the original Superman on the black and white TV show, his last name was Reeves or Reeve. One of the, either way, right? Well, this guy's name, last name is Reeves as well. There's a Superman type person named Keanu or Neo, right? Keanu Reeves. Interestingly enough, they're not related, right? But I believe they pick all those names specifically for a reason. You're going to see a lot of these like leftover robots and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the robots in general are not really made, but they're left over. Okay, they're, th this is technology that fell back down or stayed here. And our world is inundated with plasma, a.k.a. electricity. And like I've talked about on my zombie apocalypse video... Um, you know, where I talk about like Toy Story being a true story and the zombie apocalypse being something that you can look forward to, um, as well as Pet, Pet Cemetery and all that stuff. Um, these machines are going to come alive. They're going to have lives of their own. They're not, they're not going to be, need batteries or power sources because there's going to be power everywhere. Okay. Which we can talk about at the end of the video as well, if you have any questions about um, but yeah, these machines are all going to pretty much come alive. Any of the robots that we've made, any of our machines, any of our cars, like the movie, like the... So I just it? want to pause him because I'm thinking, you know, the Matrix characterized it in a such a way, oh, man against machine, the war against machines. But he's telling us the same thing, but envisioning it in a different way. So it's just interesting how it could happen and how it could take shape. Um, it's just interesting the, the different uh, ways, possible ways that uh, the man living side by side with machines that have, that are animated could be. Pixar, right? The reason I'm putting this on is so that we can learn something and understand something. Like the Pixar movie that we all think is just amusement, right? No, it's not. It's full of esoteric truths. I thought this was really interesting. This is from the movie The Mask, right? The Mask, when, he, when Jim Carrey puts on this mask, he basically becomes one of the gods, okay? And he goes to a park called Landfill Park. Hmm, interesting, right? The Iron Giant. Wow. Also very much a huge junkyard scene. There's all these junkyard scenes, right? The Iron Giant comes in and he wants to eat, uh, you know, all of the mechanical things and the electronic things in the junkyard. And he represents as well the giants or the titans who will be in our world. Uh, Thor. Like I said, the superheroes are typically associated with the junkyard or there's always these junkyard scenes. You saw the Superman one. This is Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok means end of the world. Well, I don't know if it means that, but that's 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 what it is. It's uh, the Norse apocalypse, basically. And it's really cool. I highly recommend reading about it. But anyhow, he's on this garbage dump uh, junkyard planet where there's these holes in the sky that open up and trash falls down into this world. 
Like, this really just blows my... Look at all this just debris everywhere. He's not phased by it at all. He's, you know, it's kind of normal to him. Looks around, there's just junk everywhere. And, of course, there are these scavengers everywhere that go around sort of collecting the garbage like little hermit crabs. Speaking of hermit crabs, there's actually a, a giant... A bunch of giant hermit crabs in, uh... Which are basically phantozoids, I think, okay? In the movie The Labyrinth, or Labyrinth. So you can see all the debris falling down if you look closely there. I think I can zoom in on that. Yeah, see like all these dots? That's all the trash just falling down into the world. That really blew my mind when I saw that one. Alright, let's check out some more pictures here. So that's pretty much the same one. That's just the what the world looked like, you know. Time Machine... I've talked about time machine and what all these time machines are. They're basically Faraday cages, okay, that protect these individuals from the electricity around them so they don't get fried, so that they don't die, so that they keep their memories, which is very important. Uh, Rue, I'm going to talk to you about that towards the end here. But yeah, time machine, you step into your Faraday cage, plasma apocalypse comes, it goes, you step out into this brand new era, this brand new world, a whole new world, right? Uh, that's what it's going to be, okay? It's going to be a whole new world. The, the, the land itself is going to look a lot different in many, many places. The maps will have to change, etc., and so on and so forth. But anyhow, that's why he steps out and he's like in this old garb. And that's also one of the reasons why... Um, you know, the bipedal phantozoids, a.k.a. the elven race, is, which is how I refer to them, the elves, um, they're typically shown dressed very Victorian. You know what I mean? Like sort of an older style Victorian era. Because when they come down into this world, they're not going to be wearing the latest Nike products and Reebok and Gucci and whatever. I don't know all the names, you know, because I don't care. Um, no. Our style is going to go back to the old ways, you know what I mean? That's very gothic, and gothic just means godlike, like the gods, all right? And this that's what Time Machine's about. He steps out of his Faraday cage, and the whole world has changed around him. And in essence, in his timeline, in his experience, he has just time-traveled, either so far into the future that everything looks, you know, prehistoric, or so far into the past that it is prehistoric either way that's ex that's exactly what's happening and this movie also has one of those pasty white vampire elven looking characters as well and phantasoids sucker punch this is one of the coolest movies ever man <laughs> i don't fully understand it i'm gonna be honest but it's it's i have to rewatch. i haven't I seen it in a long either. time um but i love these kind of artistic like artistic visual kind of movies that are just out there this one's very much um a steampunk style of movie and what that is is they're just collecting the old technology you know what i mean uh they're, they're collecting the old technology but they don't have the means to replicate a lot of it those who do have the means to replicate the older technology will be seen as wizards they'll be seen as sorcerers and you know sorcerers apprentices right this is from the movie Nine, which I already went through, right? But I did want to point this particular character out with the one red eye there and the really long fingers. Long fingers are just a symbol for the plasma tentacles, all right? Uh, let's see. All right, let's keep going. 
I have no idea what movie this is from. I totally forgot. I may not have seen it, but hey, it's very relevant, right? Um, you got blimps oftentimes in the steampunk world because people don't know how to replicate airplanes, right? Uh, they don't, they don't understand a lot of that stuff. So they, you know, they make more simple flying machines and stuff like blimps. This is a great picture. I don't know what this is from, but I found this one on the internet as well. Not only does it have the junkyard and the red sky, which is a part of the plasma apocalypse or the part of the new world or the new, uh, age or whatever, whatever you guys want to call it. The, the next life. I don't know what you want to call it, but it also has this interesting spider looking thing inside of it right spiders spider symbolism long fingers uh the claws that come down to pick up the trash all of this is symbolism that goes right along with the garbage dump world or the junkyard world because those that's the plasma coming down into our world which won't be around forever it'll be around for a little bit but not forever um once once the electromagnetic magnetic force field is reinstituted those plasma fingers will start to go away they'll dissipate into the air and the the plasma that's inside of our world that gets trapped inside of our world will take various forms which is really interesting we're going to talk about that um i don't know we'll talk about that another time this is van helsing van helsing um it's pretty much a steampunk thing he's a vampire hunter right so steampunk and vampires go hand in hand why is that because the vampires are the elven race. They are those uh, very ivory-skinned uh, bipedal phantasoids that are out there from quote-unquote space, which is white, which I did a whole video about, okay? I'm pretty sure space is not black. I'm pretty sure space is the exact opposite. It's very colorful, opalescent, pearlescent, kind of a shiny, shimmery white color. But that's a whole different story. Uh, but check out my other video on Space is White if you want to. Um, but anyhow, that's why he's hunting vampires. He's hunting the gods. He's hunting the bad fallen angels that came down and, you know, like they're trying to take over the world or whatever. Um, they are the strangers. They are the ones that don't belong here. They're the new ones. And maybe even hunting the phantasoids as well. Interestingly enough, there's also the whole werewolf phenomenon in this movie and many other movies which I could probably do an entire video on, but I believe that's absolutely realistic, okay? Not, not as a disease. I believe there is a disease. It's called the T-virus, which happens if you're bit by an infected phantasoid, uh, which you don't want to do. So do not pet the mythical creatures, okay? Leave them alone until you, until you uh, get better acquainted. But yeah, uh, werewolves. I, I, I have this inkling. I don't have a lot to go off of. It's, it's mostly, this is... I know a lot of the stuff that I talk about sounds like, you know, it's very out there, right? Takes a pretty big uh, imagination and a pretty big creative mind and to even grasp a lot of what I'm talking about. But um, people changing into animals is probably at the top of the list. And I'm probably going to do a video on that one of these days. I, I think that some people will actually start changing into animals. Um, and I think that's where the whole werewolf thing comes from. So anyway. Not for this video, though. Here's Wally. What's Wally doing? Well, he's digging through the leftovers. This is all the trash in the post-apocalyptic world. Look, the city is right there behind him, okay? this They don't put garbage dumps. Well, I've never seen them put a garbage dump, like, that close to, you know, a major metropolitan area. Maybe they do. I don't know. You know, don't quote me. But the reason why there's this huge landfill in Wally all over the world is because of that. 
this robot who's totally alive because of the plasma comes in, uh, kicks on all of the electronics in our world. He's going through all the stuff to see what he can salvage. He is a salvager, right? This is also, I believe, uh, this is a Tusken Raider from Star Wars, right? And uh, I think this is sort of representing uh, the steampunk survivors slash post-apocalyptic world. Um, you know, it doesn't really show us what they look like underneath these masks, but they show all the telltale signs, right? They're wearing the long Jedi kind of robes that the the gods wore or the elves wore, the El, the Elohim, the Elven race, the Al, the Allah, the Alf, the Elves, etc., right? Uh, they wore those long cloaks with big hoods in order to protect themselves um, from the light because they're not used to that. They don't have a sun. They don't have a sun how we have a sun out there beyond, you know, the roof of our world. It's a lot different. So being that close to a big old light source like that is is a shock to them. Uh, I'm not sure what movie this is from, but this is a classic example. See, people will start adorning themselves with the remnants and the debris and the cargo that's been left over, the flotsam and jetsam of the prior age. Uh, they'll almost wear them like badges of honor. You know, people will find trinkets. A lot of times they won't even know what they are. They'll just they'll just think they look nice and they'll start sort of decorating themselves and their houses and whatever they can find. You know, this this lady put like some bone of some deer or something on her shoulder. Uh, sometimes you can tell that it's relevant. Like maybe this is attached to her gas mask. I don't know. Or maybe it's just for decoration or sometimes it just gets repurposed. Sometimes they use these things for another, uh, another purpose. Let's zoom in on this one. I don't know what this is from exactly, but this is the entrance to some sort of junkyard. I found this image on uh, Google and I thought it was really interesting. So here's the junkyard. Then they have this sort of giant spider mechanical thing, uh, which for me is a phantasoid. That's what that represents. Very symbolic. Like I said, there's always the great monsters of old, typically, I shouldn't say always, typically associated with these junkyards, these landfills, etc. There's some kind of monster usually in there. And it also has red eyes. And it also has these blinding whitish yellow eyes. This is this is our sun now. This is the red sky then afterwards, right? But yeah, it also represents, you know, the spider, grandmother spider in the Native American myths and legends. Myths and legends. I love the movie Brave. Like I said, I had watched that. And in Brave, the mom was constantly telling the daughter, like, like, cause the daughter's like, you know, those are just myths or whatever. Or I don't know. Maybe her husband said that. And she's like, there's a lot of truth in these myths. These myths, uh, are basically true. Okay. Um, which is exactly what I talk about. The myths, the legends, they are all true. The, the history and the facts turned into legend. The legends, which legend just means writings, right? That's how they passed them on. There were oral traditions and there were writings. The legends turned into myth, okay? Which is legends that we we lost the actual writing portion of it. So it became oral tradition. It became stories, which became cartoons, okay? And comic books and all of that stuff. Um, it's all very much real. It just falls to us to sort of reverse engineer it all in order to figure out who we are, where we came from, and more importantly, or maybe equally important, where we're going, right? All right, so here's another one. Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Will Smith, if you didn't know already, only 
is in esoteric movies, okay? He's one of the people, for some reason, I don't know why, I can't say, uh, but he's in a lot of these esoteric movies that have some deep meanings. Typically, these esoteric and important movies are some of the cheesiest ones. Some of the best movies um, that have, like, the best messages and the, uh, the strongest truths... Don't make it real big in the box office. You know, they're oh, not really goodness, promoted like all the other movies, you know. Those are the ones I'm most interested in. I love those ones. But like I said, they find alternative forms, you know, alternative ways to fly and things like that. Because we kind of have to start over. Here's another one. I don't know what movie this is, but there's like these Mexican gangbangers. And for some reason, they're meeting up in this junkyard. And a lot of times in the junkyard <laughs> movies, you'll see like all these cars are just piled up. It's not just because it's a junkyard. It's because these things are all going to start piling up on top of each other. Okay. Which is, by the way, another really good reason why, you know, you want to look out. Okay. When that happens, if, if you're one of the survivors, you want to make sure you're, you're kind of double checking because you don't want to get squished by a house like the wicked witch of the west right here's another one i think this is star wars it looks like this looks like uh ray from star wars i don't know if it is or not but it's basically the same thing when you start over you start from scratch you have very basic mechanical structures very basic electronic features the movie nine that's the whole thing we talked about now check this out see he's got this sort of staff that has the light bulb on the end of it I don't remember if there's a battery in there or not, but he probably wouldn't even need a battery. And then, of course, there are these towers shooting up into the sky as well. Oh, there's a little bad guy right there. I didn't see him. Uh, the towers are very much related. Oh, hey, that guy's like, that's like me right now, right? What a lovely day! I don't remember what he says. <laughs> but check, his, check out his skin, right? He's more than Caucasian, isn't he? Right. What? Very much so. Because uh, that's who he represents. All right, let's get out of that one because it's making me dizzy. Uh, this is uh, some of these books. A lot of these books are starting to get more into like uh, the steampunk survivor mentality, right? Ah, well, I messed up my hat and everything. All right, hold on. There we go. I got a, I got a new haircut. I won't share with you guys today because it might shock you. Sort of uh, along the lines of uh, a cool Viking look. But I got a haircut for a very loved one out there Weird. who means the world to me. Anyway, um, Elmo in Grouchland. Okay. I don't know if I've seen this one. I've, my son has some, some movies that are, he loves Elmo. Um, but you would think that this doesn't mean anything, right? Elmo in Grouchland, whatever. Some kid's movie. Yeah. Oscar the Grouch lives in a trash can, whatever. Elmo is the same plasma red color. Okay. You have to look beyond in order to see the symbolism. And he's in Grouchland, a.k.a. the good, the bad, and the stinky, which is what it says right here. You can't really see it. Let's see if I can make this a little bigger here. The good, the bad, and the stinky, okay? That's the landfill world. Oscar the Grouch's world or land. They put this stuff in kids' movies. They put it everywhere. I don't know if it's done purposefully. I'm not one of those people that are like, they're laughing at us. They're insulting us. They know the truth and they're rubbing it in our faces. I don't know. Maybe they don't, man. Maybe people are just tapping into the truth by using their creative abilities in the same way that I do. I'm not some uh, Illuminati Freemasonic member that's privy to secrets that I had to go through years of training and uh, initiations and whatnot. No, man. You tap in 
You open yourself up, you let go, you unlearn the system. Okay, to quote, <laughs> to quote somebody. <laughs> anyway, you unlearn the system, <laughs> joke, right? Shout out to unlearn the system. Uh, you have to unlearn your ways. You unlearn your old ways. You forget about everything that you ever knew and you start over. You start fresh and you continue to be balanced, balancing out reason and knowledge that you learn, all the things you learn, and your feelings, your, your emotions, your creative side, left brain, right brain, right? You want to be balanced. Deadpool has a huge junkyard scene. It's like all over the internet. Deadpool has a junkyard scene. Deadpool is the crimson red color of the plasma, right? And uh, I have not seen that one. I've seen the first Deadpool. Oh, this is one of my favorite movies ever, okay? So I'm a big fan of 90s and 80s movies. This is this is my brother's favorite movie. Um, some of you met my brother whenever I was doing the uh, the real Supernatural Brothers episodes 1 and 2. Um, my brother was a ghost hunter, believe it or not. So I had him on for a bit. Anyhow, this is from a movie, super good movie, called The Heavenly Kid. Now, this guy right here, spoiler alert for a 30-year-old movie, okay? Uh, he's dead. He's like a ghost or, you know, an angel or whatever you want to call him. Well, angel is just those otherworldly entities. And as he says right here, I am not of this earth. He was beforehand. But anyhow, my point is there's this whole junkyard scene, okay, where he goes and he uses his magical powers or his superpowers, which people will get, um, in order to give this kid a cool car. Cool movie. You should check it out. This is from the newest Toy Story installment. This is basically, I believe, I haven't seen it, but if I understand correctly, this is like a huge sort of like trash inferno or something, some sort of garbage inferno or trash compactor type deal. And all the Toy Story characters, right? Remember, that's a true story. All these stories are true stories, all right? Especially those Pixar ones. Man, I could tell you exactly what it's about if I just know where it is on the timeline. Um, but yeah, these stories come to life. These toys come to life, okay? All these movies were toys and puppets, like like Puppet Master, right? Chucky, all these ones. They, they come to life uh, because the plasma comes in and it wants to be corporal. It wants to find a body. body. It is ectoplasm. Literally, that's not a word that Ghostbusters made up. Okay, it's a real word. Ecto means outside of. Plasm is plasma. It's plasma that's outside of something right when it's inside of something it's corporal it's inside of a body it gives it life it acts as the energy source it acts as the spirit okay um all these all these things will be coming to life uh in, in a future in a future coming soon garbage pail kids some of you guys might not remember garbage pail kids um i remember when i was a kid growing up man there was two types of people. There were the types that collected garbage pail kids, and then there were the types that thought they were just satanic and you're just an evil person because you, ha you because you even said the name, right? Which sometimes, honestly, I got a little freaked out about. I was like, man, I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. But it came with gum, so you know, I had to get it. Anyway, garbage pail kids. These these kids represent fantasoids. They represent aliens or monsters or whatever you want to call, and they come from the garbage, the garbage world, the garbage can oscar the grouch's trash can uh the garbage truck the land the landfill it's all the same thing life comes up out of that stuff uh let's see like i said people are going to invent new ways of flight a lot of times in the steampunk era they will give reverence not just steampunk 
pretty much any point in time. They'll give reference to the whole one-eye symbolism, right? And that's why this girl's wearing this sort of patch over her eye. Let me make that bigger for you. Whoa, I did not... Hey, that was not done on purpose. Or purposefully, all right? That's... Oh, come on, Jay. Come on, look at her eyes, Jay. Come on, there we go. All right. I'm talking to you out there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, she has a patch over her eyes. Gosh. She has a patch over one eye. That's the one eye in the sky. That's the one eye, the black hole sun. That's the that's the vortex that opens up in our sky. Uh, that's all of that. And that's why they give reverence. That's why all these characters, almost always, there's always going to be one that's missing an eye. Okay? There's not that many one-eyed people in the world. I don't even know if I've ever seen one in real life. Okay? Maybe I have, possibly. But there's not that many. Okay, it's not it's not very popular thing to go around missing one of your eyeballs. Okay? And I'm not making fun of anybody that that does have that, okay? Because, you know, I'm sorry and I you know, I wish you had both your eyes, but gosh, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. My point is, the reason why there's always the one-eyed character in the movies is to give homage to this event, to the eye in the sky opening up or the wheel in the sky that keeps on turning, etc., right? Journey. Um, yeah, there's always a character that has one eye. There's always a really pasty white skinned character. There's always a blonde character and a redhead character. Okay, remember that one. What's that about? All right, let's check out some other stuff here. Van Helsing, once again, like I said, werewolf, right? Let's zoom in on that. Boom. Yeah, it's not as bad when there's like a fully dressed guy, right? It's like, okay. Uh, we got the, the werewolves and the Batman. Oh, Frankenstein, too. I totally forgot about Frankenstein. But he's pieced together by all these leftover parts and dead bodies. He's basically a zombie, okay? Zombies are real, okay? That's not, that's not me wishing it to be so. That is an established fact from thousands of years of uh, record-keeping in various forms, all right? Yeah. We've just forgotten about it. We've made it all... I've seen... When I'm out driving, okay, running my errands and whatnot... Sometimes I'll see some of you guys that have, like, a zombie apocalypse response team sticker on your car, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold that person accountable, man. When the time comes, you better be responding. You better be, uh, you better be helping out when the zombies actually do come instead of freaking out and screaming like the kid on Stranger Things. Because uh, I think a lot of these people do it sort of because it's trendy, not knowing that it's very real. Very real. Uh, the Book of Eli. This is also one of those post-apocalyptic sort of steampunkish style movies. He's got the, the goggles and everything. He's blind. Now, I read the entire script for this movie because I was looking, I was trying to find what ended the world in this movie. And they don't really make reference to it, which only piqued my curiosity. Okay. So the only thing I could find is uh, this guy, Eli, played by Denzel. Um he basically uh, talks about like, oh, he meets another blind chick, right? Oh, that's another thing you're going to see in the movies. A lot of times there's a blind character or a deaf character, okay? The deaf character represents um, the decompression, okay? So a lot of, some people will go deaf when the decompression happens, okay? It will rupture many people's eardrums. You'll bleed from the nose. Uh, some people will bleed from the ears. That's why the, you know, that's why in Stranger Things the girl always gets a nosebleed or whatever. That's what that represents. The nosebleed is a precursor to getting superhuman powers or psychic abilities, which is what happens when the plasma fills our world. Hey, Jenny's in the chat. Hi, Jenny. 
I don't know if she's home right now. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there's Denzel and, you know, I forgot what I was saying about that. But anyways, uh, here's another one. A lot of this... A lot of this sort of thrown together technology, thrown together mechanical things, potions, a lot of this stuff's going to go back to the old ways. The old ways are returning, okay? I don't know if you know that, but we live in a cyclical timeline. Remember the timeline that I drew? Let me go back to camera two. Camera two. Man, I wish my green... Let me see if I have another green marker because the green is way better. Can't believe this one dried out. There we go. There we go. It's a shilling to tie the boat to the dock. All right, let's see here. What was I doing? I was going to draw something. What was I going to draw? Let me go back to live scene. I forgot. Okay, I'm sorry. This is live, okay? I don't, I don't have a script. I don't write it all down, and sometimes I forget things because I have a lot of stuff racing around in my head. Uh, but I'll, I'll go back to camera two in a minute when I remember. Somebody in the chat could probably re remind me. Hey, Mother Dragon says the majority of Tim Burton's movies are steampunkish. I totally agree. Tim Burton is on point, and a lot of times he'll hire Johnny Depp, you know, who also is interesting, an interesting character, an interesting fellow, so to speak. But yeah, um, our technology is going to revert. The old ways are going to come back. See, I knew if I started talking about what I was talking about, I'd remember what I was going to draw. All right, let's go back to camera two before I lose it again. <laughs> All right, so instead of drawing a timeline like this, right, with the beginning, that's the plasma event. That's the hole in the sky. And here's the plasma event again, right? See, isn't the green 10 billion times better? Uh, instead of drawing it like that, we actually want to draw it like a circle. But check this out. Alright, boom. That's the beginning, okay? This is the plasma event. And then we go this way. And we've got phantasoids, monsters coming into our world. Um, technology's lost. People start waking up not knowing where they are or what's happening. Uh, society starts to rebuild itself, right? People are starting to build little tribes. It's basically the movie Brave. It's uh, People are living in forests and things like that. Then people start coming together and they start making little towns and uh not not quite cities and stuff like that but you know they start they start getting together by about by about this point i would say many of the phantasoids have been killed off but really when you get into like this area right here uh the phantasoids pretty much are gone okay and what happens i'll come back to that what happens is that people don't like the phantasoids okay not all of them are good i talk about that a lot um including the bipedal visitors whatever you want to call them so the, the survivors pretty much go on a hunt okay they put on all this huge heavy armor typically metallic armor because the phantasoids may actually carry an electric charge uh because they're from quote-unquote space right which i believe is an electric universe it's uh Anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. But yeah, they kill off the fan many of the phantasoids, right? That's like the time of the knights and the samurais, and they were wearing all that weird, um, that weird, like, protective armor and stuff that's way too heavy to be fighting an actual human being, right? If you really thought about it. And then people start getting together. They start uh, building, rebuilding their cities. They start coming together and conglomerating and whatnot. And then you have technology starts to become very advanced and you have artificial intelligence and 
futuristic technology, and then you have, boom, the plasma apocalypse happens again. Which, actually, a better symbol for this instead of a circle is that right there, the spiral. Because that's what the spiral represents. Let me jump back to the live scene here. See, that, that green is way better. I'm going to throw this green in the trash. <laughs> Since we're talking about trash anyway. All right, so, oh, that's a good question, Rue. Save all your questions for just a little bit longer. We're almost done with this little presentation. Uh, this is a picture I found from the cartoon. I forgot the name of this cartoon because I don't really watch it, but everybody recommends it to me, basically. I probably should watch it. But see, uh, Rick and Morty, that's what it's called. Uh, I actually have a Rick and Morty alert down here, too. I don't even know what it is, but they're like in this sort of, you know, time machine DeLorean type thing flying through like this rainbow stuff all around them. I can't remember what alert it is, but I think it's if, you know, if someone subscribes or something, it shows that. You'll see. Oh, shoot. What happened? Uh, he says maybe it went somewhere. And then he says uh, automated Rick says garbage dump. Stand back. So there's this whole garbage dump scene. Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This is the whole steampunk era, right? This is people that have superpowers. They are extraordinary. And that's a part of the whole steampunk thing as well. Excuse me. Like I said, superheroes are typically associated with the junkyard worlds. This is from Alita. Um, this is where he finds her. You can't see the rest of her body, but it's it's like a part of her chest, and you see that she's a cyborg, etc. And she wakes up in the junkyard and doesn't know who she is and doesn't know where she came from, right? That's the theme. That's the theme you're always going to see because that's our story. She has amnesia. This is just a great picture. There's a lot of symbolism going on. Some people pointed out some stuff like the pizza, right? The pizza represents the pizza planet, I'll let you guys think about that one because there's certain words I can't say. Otherwise, I get in trouble. All right. Anyhow, uh, there's uh, the skunk is black and white symbolism, which is basically space. Okay, because space is pretty much black and white. We live in the black. We live in the dark room or the black room, the room of death. Okay, in the black room with white curtains. That's where we live. Okay, we live in the black room with white curtains. But this is a junkyard world. And they have these huge arms coming down. This is just the plasma fingers coming down out of the sky. All right, I talked about that one before. <coughs> Excuse me. These are some of the scavengers. There's going to be a lot of scavengers, all right? Or rogues, okay? a lot. Of, they'll go by different names. People are going to give them different attributes and stuff like that. But basically, they're all going to look very kind of similar, very post-apocalyptic, finding new clothing, having to stitch together their own brand new stuff, you know. I don't know how many of you have ever worn the same piece of clothing for like a few years, but believe me, it doesn't last forever, okay? It starts to get very thin, it starts to wear out. You're going to have to find some new stuff to wear in, uh, in the next age. This one's interesting. Evil doesn't have a prayer. Let me zoom in on that. Evil doesn't have a prayer. Archangel from the Winter's End Chronicles. The end of winter. Well, for those of you who have studied the end of the world or eschatology, you know that there is Fimbulwinter or the great winter that is a precursor to the end of the world, at least in Norse mythology, right? Um, and then after that, there will be no more winter. Okay, like I said, it's going to be a very summertime beach kind of weather it's gonna be very nice which is why adam and eve in the garden of eden only needed to wear a leaf 
okay? They didn't need sweaters. They didn't need jackets. It was very nice uh, conditions, right? Anyway, Archangel. That Those are the angels from the Ark, right? The Ark, okay? The roof of the world, the ceiling, the rim of the world, right? That's another That's another movie. Um, it's on Netflix. If you're interested in all this stuff I'm talking about, go watch the movie Rim of the World because it's just full of everything I'm talking about. I have actually not seen this. I probably should because I love this actor. There was this uh, TV show he used to be in called Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> it was one of my favorite shows. It was super cheesy, man, and I loved it. And I, I'm sure whatever this is, I think this is Evil Dead. Or Ash versus the Evil Dead, something like that. I don't even have to watch the movie. Like, I already know what it's about. I already know. But I am going to watch it because it looks pretty cool. And Jenny recommended it. Uh, here's another get-up. You know, a lot of these people are going to look very similar. This is this is sort of a steampunk kind of a, a costume or whatever. And as you can see, he looks a lot like the Tusken Raider that I showed you guys before from Star Wars, right? People are going to need gas masks and stuff. Um, I'm actually looking for some right now, but I'm, I'm trying to find gas masks that don't have metal because metal is a bad idea when your world is full of electricity, full of an electric charge. Um, and I, that's the last thing I want on my face is to have those dream crabs attached to my brain. Um, yeah, so I'm looking for like more of like those painter ones, like the ones that the graffiti artists use that have little things on each side. That's that's kind of the gas mask that I'm looking for. By the way, which is the reason why in the movie, what was that movie? Uh, Take shelter. Okay, you know, you know the one, right? When the guy, the guy who uh, did it with Eminem's mom in Eight Mile. I don't remember his name. Okay, He's, and anyways, uh, that guy is in the movie Take Shelter, and he doesn't. He's not very loud. He's very quiet and soft spoken. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's like. There is a storm coming, right? And he just goes off on this huge rant and monologue, which I love. Uh, some people may have seen it as well. Project Frequency. Hey, what's up, buddy? He donated $1.99 and said, we live inside the cell Earth. It's a battery. Cool. Well, I did see your video, like I said, and I'm definitely giving a lot of that some thought. Uh, but now is not the time and place to talk about it because I'm on a roll talking about something else. But anyway, we will talk about that. I promise I'll come back to you. And thank you for your donation. I appreciate it. But anyway, that's the whole reason for that, right? That's the whole gas mask and everything. That's why they're going to be wearing those types of get-ups. This is an interesting picture. Now, you can't see it in the picture, but this is from the movie Artificial Intelligence, where there is a junkyard scene, where all of the robots are alive, and they're all looking for extra parts and stuff, you know, and they're all trying to change out their parts. But then they all freak out when they see the moon. When the moon comes, they know that there's danger, right? They know that, that they have to take off. And there's a whole discourse to the moon. Probably have to do an entire video about the moon. This one's from the remake of Mad Max, I believe. But this is the same type of thing. You'll notice the sky is typically this orange, rusty, red kind of a color, right? That's because the sky changes colors after and during uh, the plasma apocalypse. It changes from a blue sky like we have right now, to a red sky. Let me just take a time out because I, I responded to Project Frequency and I didn't want it to come across as rude because like um, you guys don't know that him and I have actually talked. He did, a, he did a video for me to watch. So let me take a step back and genuinely, 
I appreciate your donation. Thank you very much. Um, and I've been really busy lately, especially with my website. But I promise I've actually watched your video like three times. And I'm going to go over it some more. I just I don't want to get into that zone where I'm debating with people anymore. You know what I mean? Everybody's got different worldviews. Everybody's got different perspectives. I'm not trying to argue about any of it. And I'm not saying you are either. I know you're really excited to try to get my attention so that I can share your information with everybody else, but lots of other people are doing that too. So I didn't want to sound like, you know, I was ungrateful or anything. So if I did, I apologize sincerely, but I will look into it. I promise you. All right, moving forward. Moving forward. I can't believe I just said that. Anyways, this is Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. This whole area is a junkyard. This whole area is basically a giant landfill. And that's a huge part of Blade Runner. As well as, I can't, I don't know if you could see in the background here. Let me make it a little bigger. Alright, here's the junkyard right here. And here's all these little scavengers and stuff. There's always a scavenger. There's always the hermit, the hermit crabs, right? And then in this one, you can't really see it, but there's fog in the way. And fire, of course. There's going to be a lot of fire in the post-apocalyptic world to begin with, but then it's going to go away. Um, but fog is also absolutely associated because when the world depressurizes, the air itself expands and turns into fog or mist, like the movie The Mist, right? With all those fantasoids inside of it. Also, the moment I see fog in a movie, especially if there are any other elements like a red sky or red lights or anything, I'm looking for a fantasoid. I'm looking for those cryptids, those monsters, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, there's the fog in the background too. And that's Blade Runner 2049, right? When technology gets super far advanced on that cyclical wheel, right? This is this is one you may not have expected, okay? Let me see if anybody in the chat can get this movie. I want to see if somebody in the chat can tell me what movie this is from. Because if you do, you definitely get a little shout out. All right. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick time out. You know, if you need to use the bathroom or something, go ahead. Um, I'm going to put on the be right back screen. I'm going to give us two minutes and then I'll come right back. That way I know some of my videos are kind of long. I want to give you guys a chance to stretch your legs and everything. So, we're you know, always being afraid of the fingers and typically they'll, they'll, really pronounce fingers in movies and stuff either like showing them coming at you or you know of course freddy's got fingers that can kill you which is the finger of god and all that type of stuff and he's in a junkyard right now believe it or not this is actually a scene where there's a circle of cars right the scene is upside down you need to watch this scene and flip the scene upside down hollywood is really good at this sometimes they'll make things sideways when they should be upright sometimes they'll make things upside down right so it just takes a mind to be able to see these things. You have to, sometimes you have to flip it around and play with it in your mind. Um, but Freddy comes up out of this red hole in the ground, right? And he's surrounded by all this junk and debris in a circle, which is what's going to happen. There's going to be a world storm. And whenever gravity or whatever you want to call it, all right, um, is gone for a short moment until it's restored and becomes less than what it is today, which is where a lot of our superpowers are going to come from. Um, everything gets sucked up into the sky in a giant, like sort of a cyclone tornado fashion. Iron Giant, we talked about that one. 
This is a classic movie, okay? I love the forgotten classic movies. Not even like cult oh, classics. No, like terrible. movies Nothing that people have never even heard of, you know? Oh, this God. one's called, I believe it's called Trouble in Paradise. No, nothing but and Trouble. And it's a very interesting movie. Remember how I said some of the best movies are the ones that didn't really make it at the box Ugh, office? You know, they become the forgotten legends, basically. Anyhow, it's got Demi Moore, it's got Dan Aykroyd, who plays a brilliant role, and it also has uh, Humpty Hump. I don't know. Really? See, some of you don't even know who that is, but uh, no, it's not Humpty Dumpty, but Humpty Hump is this rapper, okay? He was kind of like MC Hammer before MC Hammer, all right? But they go to this sort of junkyard, they get stuck in this sort of junkyard area, right? And there's these two mutant looking guys and they're in the junkyard and it's basically a junkyard of death it's a really interesting movie oh this is the scene this is the scene from uh freddy krueger right so there's the hole in the ground or the one eye in the sky remember it's upside down see i could flip this so that it is upside down for you guys and then we'll make it bigger so that's the eye in the sky right there so look at the ground as if it were the sky Okay, the hole opens up in the sky or on in the movie, the ground, and it's surrounded by this circle of debris and cars. Okay, and that's what that is. And then Freddy comes out of it and he's just the bringer of death. He's he's father time, if you will. I have no idea what this is, but this is very similar. Also, there's something to the rain. I know there's a movie called The Rain, which I haven't watched yet, but there's something going on with the rain. It could be. It could be dangerous rain, okay? It's not supposed to rain a bunch, but maybe one more real big time during the storm. And if there is rain, okay, because I, I still need to look into this topic, stay away from it, okay? Stay out of the rain because it very well could be acid rain, quite literally. And I only say that because holy water, according to my research, I believe holy water is not water at all. I think it's acid, right and it's up there and it could be a byproduct of all the things that are happening chemistry wise when the poc when the plasma apocalypse happens hey sunflower i saw your comment uh let's see sunflower says can you make a list of oldies but goodies i can i'm actually going to do that on my website i'm going to have a whole list of jdreamers recommended uh like my favorite movies and a recommended books list i don't have that yet but i'm gonna put that on my website Eminem, for some reason, is in a junkyard, right? And he's all covered up, you know. That's how the gods were. They were all covered up. They had their hoodies or their, you know, their cloaks and all that stuff. By the way, I want to bring back capes, okay? I hope you. I hope some people will be with me on this, but I would love to really bring back the cape, you know, especially the ones with the big hoods and stuff like that because I've always loved hoodies my entire life. I've always been drawn to them, and I didn't really know why. I just thought they looked kind of cool. But then the more I wore hoodies, the more I realized the hood part is too small. Like there's, it, it feels constricting. It feels like there's, it's, it's something's off about that. The hood should be much bigger, you know, but I'm going to do that, man. I'm going to bring back the hooded cape. Uh, this is another one from Star Wars. They're actually looking at, uh, the Millennium Falcon, right? And, uh, you know. There's some sort of comment made like, oh, it's a piece of junk or a piece of garbage. And she said, the garbage will do. It's a part of the garbage world. And this entire world in the scene is this sort of post-apocalyptic desolate area, right? All right, let's keep going. Oh, this is, this is the scene from 
Trouble in Paradise. That movie I was telling you about with those weird two mutant no, baby looking things. Trouble, this is the whole scene right here. It's like a big, huge junkyard, right? They get stranded there with an 80s rapper. It's very interesting. And Dan Aykroyd has a really messed up nose. That's all I'm going to say about it. This is from the movie Artificial Intelligence. The robots come to life. Like I said, the plasma's everywhere. The robots come to life. They're actually in a junkyard in this movie. There's so many junkyard scenes in movies. It's just, it's strange to me, you know? I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's, it's appropriate and it's appropriate for a reason. There are all of these reasons. There, there's one reason. Not all of these reasons. There's one reason why these things resonate with us. Why the steampunk survivors, why the junkyard worlds, why all of this stuff, why this thrown together mechanics and electronics and stuff, all this stuff resonates with us. All of it's popular. Why? Why does it stick with us? Because it's true. It's true. All of it's true. Everything is true. It might be skewed, it might be tied in the knots or whatever, it might be fractured and all the puzzle pieces are scattered out, but guess what? I believe we're in the time of the awakening when we're starting to put all those pieces together. So like I said, you know, the bad guy in Wild Wild West, he's got the, uh, oh, here's from Stand By Me, the junkyard scene in Stand By Me. Chopper! You know, right? <laughs> Anyway, um, there was basically... Chopper represents the monster in the junkyard. Chopper's a dog. I don't know if you guys know that, okay? This is an old movie, but a classic. And if you haven't seen Stand By Me, I highly recommend it. But this is the this is the junkyard scene. This is from, you know, Deadpool, I guess. There's a junkyard scene there. Superman again. Blade Runner 2049. Stranger Things also has a junkyard scene. Uh, the kids go there quite a few times. And there are phantasoids in this junkyard scene in Stranger Things. Stranger Things is all about the plasma apocalypse. It's a very cool movie. I haven't seen this movie yet because right now it costs like $20 to rent it. <laughs> so I'm waiting for Redbox to have it. But uh, everybody keeps rep recommending that I check out this one. Uh, apparently it's very post-apocalyptic steampunk-ish, right? But I can't talk about it too much because I haven't seen it. There's that same cartoon. Here's Labyrinth. This is a junkyard scene from the movie Labyrinth. I thought I had a, a gif. But anyway, here's what happens. Sarah falls down out of the sky, lands in a junkyard world. Okay? And there are all these hermit crab type monster beings or human, I don't know what they're supposed to be. They're basically giant hermit crabs. In this junkyard world... Uh, most people think there's only one, like the main the main evil witch-looking one or whatever. Uh, she's like collecting all this stuff and putting it on her back. Uh, there's actually a bunch. I slowed down the movie. I've watched this movie like frame by frame. So I found a lot of those things in the background. And they're just out there scavenging. They're scavengers. They're out there collecting stuff. Are we still good? Is the volume still good? Everything's good? Just want to make sure. Uh, let me know in the chat, please. And thank you. All right, so yeah, Iron Giant. This is the typical getup right here, okay? You got the top hat, uh, the flipped out collar. The flipped out, the popped collar is not from rappers, okay? The popped collar thing, it's, that's, that's from a time for long forgotten. That's from the vampires or the elven race, okay? That's, they're the ones that came up with the really big collars or the Vulcans, right? Whatever you want to call them. They're all the same race. They're all the same species, basically. And then you've got like this sort of uh, 
thrown together mechanics slash weaponry, etc. Sort of a Victorian era look, etc. And we're back to the beginning. So I hope you guys enjoyed that presentation. This is the part where I'm just going to jump in the chat. I'm going to go over all the super chats. I want to read. We may we may not uh, review this here, but I thought that was an interesting conversation. That is the plasma shooting up from the center of the earth, hitting the ceiling of our world, arcing out and creating a T until it breaks through, in which at which point it'll make a cross. Okay, but that's why it's called the T virus. That is the Phantozoid virus and. Those viruses can go inside of you and they live inside of you until they start to incubate and they break open and, you know, you're a part of it. You're basically a host, okay? Um, I don't know if there are different versions of that, um, but there's also the plasma possession, which is not a virus, okay? the pl Your plasma, your energy will be amplified by the the residual plasma that's left over in our world. If you're a bad person, you're going to turn into a killer. You're going to turn into a really bad, messed up, psychopath, crazy person, okay? If you're a good person, that will also be amplified, and you will basically be a superhero. Unlearn the System says, J Dreamers, have you come across the uh, Amentia Muscaria mushroom connection with Santa Claus? Yes, I have. I've seen some a few videos on that. And I like it. I like where that's going because I think that mycelium, the mycelium network from Star Trek, um, all the mushroom references. If you look at the older videos I did about uh, mud fossils, I found hundreds upon hundreds of petrified giant mushrooms all around our world. They're everywhere. And I think that they'll probably come back. So maybe the, that mycelium will also drop down from the sky. Hey, maybe that's the manna, you know, the manna in the, the Bible that comes down from the sky. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Don Wick says, J Dreamers, what do you think about the FEMA camps? Oh, I think they're great. Uh, last, I'll rate them four and a half stars out of five. You know, for a FEMA camp, they're, they're doing a good job. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally playing. Uh, FEMA camps. I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're asking. What do I think about them? I, I know they exist. My brother went to one. He drove right past one, uh, told me about it and everything. Um, and I've seen the coffins. I've seen how they lined up all these coffins and stuff. Basically, they're getting ready for the plasma apocalypse. Okay. This is off the top of my head, but they're getting ready for the plasma. They're not getting ready for like, oh, one of these days they're going to institute, uh, you know, all this stuff and they're just going to collect everybody. No, man, that's for the post-apocalyptic world. They're going to scoop, scoop up various people and imprison them basically in order to be slaves for them in the new world. Uh, let's see. David V says, Hey, Jay, another great video. Brother, have you seen the news about tardigrades being stranded on the moon after a spacecraft crash landed there? What are my thoughts? My thoughts are the same as they've always been. The tardigrades are a perfect example of the phantasoids on the microcosmic scale. Um, I think that there are real giant tardigrades possibly out there that are going to fall into our world. And maybe those will become the next behemoths or, you know... I wouldn't say Leviathan because I think it's more of a behemoth, but basically they're phantasoids. I don't know about people crash landing on the moon and stuff because I'm not so sure that we can actually get to the moon because the moon is the dome or the ceiling of our sister world. And on the inside of that, uh, there's a whole different world. Yes, it's hollow because so are we. Our world is hollow as well. We live inside of it. Don Wick said, J Dreamers, what are your thoughts about the... Oh, I already read that one. Oh. What is that? Somebody said, is Denmark screwed? Let us and numb us. Is Denmark screwed? I don't know. 
I can't tell you who's screwed and who's not. What I can tell you is research the ancient history. Look at the structure of your world. I mean, of, of your local area. See where it is. I can tell you that that particular area is of various interest to me because of the, the geography and the landscape, right? Uh, seems to me like the places that have the most jagged mountains and strange geographic anomalies are probably the places where the plasma touched down or like the, the big tr plasma trunks, okay? The plasma that comes into our world ha is going to come in various forms, okay? It's not just going to be lightning coming down or anything. It's going to be lots of different forms of plasma. Uh, some of it will look like little fairies floating around or uh, wisps right? Willow wisps or whatever they call that on Brave. Uh, some of it will look much bigger. Much of it will try to take on different forms, different shapes. If it doesn't find a body, some of it will look like tentacles and fingers coming down out of the sky or stripes or whatever, right? Um, but the areas that have the the most jagged mountains and stuff like that, I think those are probably the areas where the largest plasmic trunks touch down, or got really close to the ground, and uh, the ground would be wet and muddy at the time due to liquefaction. And so what it does is it rises up, and it, it's attracted to it, and it meets it up in the air, and then it basically makes a mountain, right? So look for those things. I couldn't say that you're screwed. Obviously, there were survivors from that region because you've got your ancient lore and your legends, right? So look into the ancient lore and legends of your local areas. Mother Dragon says, Dreamers, our memories are always intact in our minds. Our brains limit what we can access unless we learn how to override its original programming and tap into our mind directly instead. I would tend to agree with that, but I, was, I would also add that I believe we have what's known as spirit memory, right? Um, that's the things that our spirit keeps inside of it, but it's not in the form of like analytical information, more in the form of like a feeling that you get. You know what I mean? Kind of like when you experience deja vu, right? It's more of like a feeling. It's like this weird feeling that you have. Tor Mentor says, J Dreamers, what do you think about living around the North Pole at the time of the plasma apocalypse? That's a great question, Tor Mentor. That's actually something I'm researching right now because the North Pole comes up constantly in my research. But once I, once I stumbled upon the plasma apocalypse, I had to put the brakes on the North Pole real quick because I wanted to make sure I knew more about it. But here's the possibility. The possibility. It's possible that the North Pole is the only safe place, guaranteed, or, you know, so to speak, guaranteed, safe place because it basically is the eye of the storm, right? Not only that, but if that is the entrance into the hollow section of our underworld or the hollow earth, right? Just like has been documented by uh, the Navy, I think Navy Admiral Byrd, right? His exploits going to the, beyond the North Pole. Um, that could be a safe area because essentially you'll be going inside of the earth. And I just want to give you a heads up in case you plan on going to the North Pole, which probably most people won't, but I am. I'm looking into it. I'm strongly thinking about it. I'll say that. I'm probably going to. Um, there may be a leap of faith involved because I believe gravity is going to work a lot different. I can actually, let me draw it for you real quick. Uh, camera two, boom. All right, so let me draw this little mock-up of our world again real quick. All right, now I'm going to draw it from the side view, okay? So here's the side view. Let's just say that, boom, it comes across like that, boom. Comes across like that. This is the North Pole, basically, right? And gravity, or whatever you want to call it, 
is pulling in this direction or pushing downwards from above, right? But once you get over here, pushes in that direction. So it's going to require a quote-unquote leap of faith to get to get upright again, okay? You jump off this and you land right there. However, to those people who don't know that, it's going to look like you're just jumping to your death. So I'm going to let that speak for itself right there. All right, back into the chat. Linda Curtis says the apocalypse is our death. It's coming to us all. Well, that's your opinion. I don't think it is. Uh, I don't believe in death, first and foremost. And secondly, I don't think everybody's going to die because it's been recorded, right? Like uh, like Captain Jack Sparrow says, like, if, if there were no survivors, where do the stories come from? <laughs> there have to be survivors. There will be survivors. Uh, let's see here. Mr. Dynamic says, J Dreamers, I've read 33 latitude plus or minus 5 degrees is a safe zone. What do you think? I think it's a safer er safer area but there are no safe zones there is no guaranteed safe place okay at all even if you jump into the north pole and you go into the hollow earth there's stuff going to be going on down there as well during this experience okay so i'm not guaranteeing anything i'm not telling you guys there are any safe zones whatsoever i'm saying there are safer practices there is a safer state of being a safer state of mind a safer energy a uh, safer preparations that you can do but ultimately i don't know maybe it's fate let's see here project frequency says jay dreamers i saw your vid on the ai concept are you a robot Even if you jump into the North Pole and you go into the hollow earth, there's stuff going to be going on down there as well during this experience, okay? So I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm not telling you guys there are any safe zones whatsoever. I'm saying there are safer practices. There is a safer state of being, a safer state of mind, a safer energy, a uh, safer preparations that you can do. But ultimately, I don't know, maybe it's fate. Let's see here. Project Frequency says, J Dreamers, I saw your vid on the AI concept, Are You a Robot? And how we are programmed, which is why I asked about the data collection. Seems like silicon beings created us. Thank you for your content. You're very welcome. Uh, when he says silica beings, those are the phantazoids from space. Okay, And that's, I call them, sometimes I refer to them as silica beings. Before I came up with the word phantazoid, I basically called them all silica beings. Maybe they are silica-based, and that's why they look that way. I'm not sure, but they're all basically from out there, from beyond, right? They're the shining ones. They're the shimmering ones. Uh, they are, whether they be bipedal or look more like animals or creatures, they are the shining and shimmering class, okay? They always typically share that in common. That's why on Moana, that crab has that whole song, right? I'm so shiny, and the crab's all dancing around. It's the crab, which is also symbolic of the fingers or the long legs or the tentacles, etc. It's also symbolic of the phantazoid bug class, okay? There's a bug class of phantazoids. I call it the bug class or the, the bug type, I should say. There's three classes. There's friendly, neutral, and um, aggressive or the eaters, basically the hunters, the predators, if you would say, and then there are different types. And one of those types is the bug type. They basically look like giant bugs. Okay. Crabs, lobsters, all that stuff, I believe are ancient remnants 
from the giant phantozoids that gave birth and their offspring got smaller and smaller in order to fit the world that they now lived in. All right. Uh, Siegfried Gudin Novak. Where did I go? Sorry, I missed it. Uh, apparently, I'm behind in the chat. J. Germers, why would I not want to be sucked up to the outside of the dome? Is there danger for humans? I don't know. You can, whatever you want to do is what you can do. If you want to jump up there, go for it. Like, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying any of this is good or bad, okay? You live whatever kind of life you want to live, okay? You walk your own path. Whatever you desire, do what you desire. If you want to jump up into the sky and take a chance and see what happens, go for it, okay? If you want to stay here, great. Um, if you're asking... If your question is, like, how do I survive if I go up? Remember, there's a big, huge electric arc out there that's plasma, okay? Um, so if you think you can handle plasma with just your body and no protection or anything, I don't know. If you want to survive, I at least would recommend you get, like, a big rubberized suit or something, right? I don't know. Um, but he also says, is there danger for humans? Yeah, absolutely. There's danger if you get sucked up into the unknown, there's definitely danger. So you want to have some sort of a protective device, right? Doctor Who has his Faraday cage that's a phone booth, basically, which is why phones are usually depicted as the things that can transport you from one realm to another. Uh, good question. Mayor Rothschild says, Mayor Rothschild says, J Dreamers, satanic-based esoteric symbolism is typically expressed in a mirror of the actual message. Hold on. Satanic-based esoteric symbolism the word satanic threw me off. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm not a big God versus Satan kind of person anymore. So let me try to, let me try to reinterpret your question here. Satanic-based esoteric symbolism is typically expressed in a mirror of the actual message. Okay, so basically what you're saying is the truth is inverted, right? The truth is upside down and the reverse of what we're told. I would agree with that. I don't know if it's satanic or not, but yes. Uh, junkyard is, equals post-scarcity. Yes, the junkyard equals the post-apocalypse, basically. After the plasma apocalypse, when all that stuff falls back down into our world. Now, here's another thing. When it falls back down, it might not fall back down with the same speed that things fall to the Earth now. Because the electromagnetics will be weaker. So things might actually fall slower down to the Earth. And, you know, if, if you get sucked up, there's a chance you might be able to just fall right back down and be okay. Not promising anything, but, you know, that there is a chance. All right, let's see. Welcome, Angel Flores. Good to see you. Shutting1978 says JDreamers. Now, remember, when you type in JDreamers, you got to type in J-A-Y. Otherwise, it will not highlight on my side, but I happen to see it. JDreamers, do you know if the dome will collapse and fall like big chunks of ice. I promise there will be big chunks of ice falling from the sky. I don't know if it's the dome, but I do know that the, wor the world's water will get sucked up into the sky, okay? The oceans, all that. The oceans are going away, okay? But the water that doesn't make it out will freeze, which will turn into gigantic hail and will come back down, okay? So watch out for that. Uh, Alarani... No Skinta says, Jdreamers, what do you suspect the event to be around the solstice? Why do you suspect the event to be around the solstice? Also, amazing content. Thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. The reason I believe it's, it's around the solstice is, one, we have these traditions for a reason, for a purpose, originally set up to protect 
uh, the offspring to, to, to protect your family members going into the future in case they happen to forget all about this really important information. We have certain traditions in place that will ensure that people are indoors or people are have candles and they have lights and you know what I mean? Stuff like that. I talk about it a lot on uh, the Plasma Apocalypse section of my website. So feel free to check that out. Um, but there are a lot of reasons why the winter solstice in particular stands out. Some of it has to do with, um, my own research. You know, I've always been studying the end times and things of that nature. Some of it's biblical. Some of it comes from, uh, various religious writings and, uh, ancient writings of old. Some of it comes from the tradition. Some of it comes from my gut. Some of it comes from TV and movies and fantasy, etc. There are a lot of things that led me in that direction. Good question. <laughs> Rue, you're funny. Let's see here. Anybody else? Oh, I think there was one. Let's see. Hold on. I'm just catching up here. Uh, Clarence Wilkerson. If I skipped you guys, I'm sorry. I'm The chat's bugging out on my side. J Drummers, just keep putting out good vibes and positive vibes, and you'll be fine in my view. Thanks, Clarence. I appreciate you. Mr. Dynamic says, according to my research, I believe... The true North Pole is in Alaska somewhere. What do you think? Well, I think that the, our North Pole is actually the South Pole, right? <laughs> That's, it's the reverse. The North Pole is actually the South, and the boundaries around the outside are the, the northern polarity, basically. Um, but as far as the true North Pole, my guess is, honestly, I would go, I would, I, if you want to find the real North Pole, Follow the instructions given to Indiana Jones when he's in the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I believe that's a step-by-step instruction on how to get to the Holy Grail or the North Pole. Uh, also, in the movie BFG, it shows you exactly where BFG lives. That's where he lives. He lives at that magical place, at the North Pole. And they, they take out a map, and he shows you exactly where it is. He shows you the steps and everything. Let's see. Vanessa V says, J Dreamers, this is my son's question. Well, hello, Vanessa V's son. I live in Florida, and I saw them launch rockets a couple of times a month. Are they trying to break the dome or the sky? I don't know what they're trying to do. I can't speak for them. I've never met them. I don't know what they're doing. But that stands to reason, right? You got big old rockets. What do rockets do? You're shooting up at the sky. You know they can't get past the quote-unquote Van Allen belts, which is just the Brooklyn current for the plasma around our world, which is an established academic fact these days. So... It seems like they're probably trying to instigate, right? Because they worship that. They want that to happen, right? I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I am saying this is every major religion in the world. This is, this is Satanism. This is Christianity. This is uh, Islam. This is Judaism. This is every ancient belief system. All of them are the same, painted with different colors, Okay, all of them look forward to this event, whether consciously and they understand how it works and stuff or subconsciously. And they just have metaphors and and similes running around in their brain. Good question. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Clarence Wilkerson also says, like you mentioned, just be prepared and have no fear. It is not real. Enjoy the experience. I totally agree. I, I couldn't agree more. Have fun, man. Have a good time. If you're going to go out, why not go out smiling or laughing hysterically, which is what I would rather do, right? Um, I can tell you my plans. I plan on hugging and holding my family very tightly, um, maybe even singing a song, closing our eyes, 
And this is, this is something I used to do when I used to practice holding my breath underwater for a long time. You just distract yourself. That's all. You're in charge of what's going on in here, right? So when I was in like an Olympic sized swimming pool, I wanted to get there and back as many times as I could. So when I was running out of breath underwater, you know, just like in the movie, The Matrix, Morpheus leans in. He says, you think that's air you're breathing, right? All you have to do is distract your mind. That's all. And there's magic in that. Um, so that's a good idea. Anyway, let's see. Anything else? All out of bubblegum. <laughs> I like it. That's a cool name. Uh, J Dreamers, the movie Melancholia shows the plasma event. Okay, cool. I've never heard of that one, but I'm sure I'll come across it. Uh, if you want, you could leave it in the comments. That way everybody else can check it out. Like I said, I'm not reading the comments anymore. Uh, pretty much the only way to get in touch with me is to be a member, right? Um, pretty soon I'm, I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. I'm not going to open the chat up to everybody a lot, okay? Occasionally, maybe when I'm in a good mood, I might. But for the most part, this is going to be members only for the chat and my website, you know, people have, uh, there's the fan mail on my website. People can reach out to me. There's the chat and everything, <clears throat> but you know, there's a limited amount of time in my day. I got a lot of different things I have to do. A lot of things I'm constantly working on and it takes a lot of time to do what I do. So, um, it was good while it lasted for many of you. Uh, so for, for some of you, I'm saying goodbye for some of you. I'm saying aloha. I love you. I, God bless you, however you want to say it, good vibes. And, you know, we may have to part ways as far as our communication goes. But it's just a new path, right? It's a new direction in life. And I'm happy about it. Uh, project, let's see here. Ah, Clarence says, Dreamers, the plasma event will mark a new beginning like a clean slate for us all. We shouldn't fear, but embrace the world as it should be from long ago. Why fear? We've been through this before. Those are good thoughts, excellent sentiments, and I love where you're going with that. Uh, Project Frequency says, in regard to zombies, do you think tombstones, usually made of limestone, such as obelisks, are made intentionally to attract the plasma? Wow, I hadn't even thought of that before. Um, originally, I thought about tombstones as basically, originally, that's, that's where... Uh, people were petrified, standing in place, turning into rock, so right? Um, and then that's how we marked our, our dead. But I like your idea where people are basically using them as obelisks in order to draw in the plasma so that they can reanimate their loved ones. Wow, hey, let's give, let's give some positive emojis to Project Frequency, man. I like how you think. I'm going to blow up the chat with some pod, Project Frequency positive emojis because that was a thinking outside of the box kind of a thought. And those are the time, the type that I really like. Project Frequency. Boom. Good vibes for you, my friend. Excellent. Excellent connection. I like it. All right. Cloveny says, Dreamers, is the Rupus Nigra Silica Rock, the tower slash dark tower card depicting the plasma apocalypse of the tarot? I think you're talking about the, the like the stone that's alleged to be at the North Pole, right? Possibly. I think that's what that is. Uh, is that the tower? I don't think so. I'll show you what I believe the tower to be. All right. Real quick. Camera two. Okay. So the tower. Now keep in mind there are two towers. Okay. But I'll show you one of them real quick. Here's our world from a side view. Boom. 
There's our world from the side view. Now, not only is there plasma around our world right now, right? Coming down around our world. It's basically spiraling, okay? I'm not an artist or anything, so I don't really draw it that well. But there's plasma up there. There's also plasma down here. Okay? And when the light when the light reverses, when the electromagnetics reverse, this plasma down here is going to shoot upward from the middle. Which is why there's probably no land right there. And it's going to hit up here. Remember I said the T-virus? The plasma goes up, it hits the dome or whatnot. Sort of makes a sort of T until finally it breaks through and it goes up all the way through. Right? This is all plasma right there. That is Jack's beanstalk. That is your tree of life. That is Jacob's ladder. That is Godzilla's atomic breath. Okay? That's what shoots up in order to fight the plasma Cthulhu tentacles or whatever. So I hope that helped you out. Black Butterfly 911 says, Dreamers, you only... So you're only going to speak to us. Is that what you mean? Yes. So members, basically. Okay. Uh, that has a lot to do with my vibes, my vibrations. I'm trying not to let any of that negativity into my life right now. There's a lot of interesting people out there. And uh, I, I basically have to just keep away from all the negative stuff, which includes a lot of comments. So I can't even if you have a great comment, I'm not going to read it because there's a chance I'll also read some really bad stuff. And right now, I'm not really at a place where I can handle all that negativity because then it takes me to places like, you know, should I shut down my channel? Should I stop doing this? Like, why do I help anyone, etc.? You know what I mean? I don't want those thoughts. I'm fighting all that stuff right now. I'm keeping it away. I'm focusing on my website and I'm focusing on just keep going with what I do and what I enjoy doing. So that's what I'm talking about. I think that's good. I think we should wrap things up. We've had a good little chat. Hopefully there's no issues with the old copyright stuff here. But I'm going to roll the new credits. So if you're a new member, you'll definitely see yourself in the credits. I want to say thank you uh, to all of the members out there, the Good Vibe Tribe. You guys have been amazing. I appreciate you. Uh, I am going to go ahead and... So we're going to be having... Uh, we'll be having more with you, Dreamers, to understand uh, some of the concepts and things that he's saying. I think that was a very interesting discussion that hopefully uh, answered some questions uh, for people um, about, you know, what to expect. You know, not many people speak about, you know, well, what happens after um, all this stuff? Uh so, uh, I usually give you guys a certain amount, uh, so we'll give you a little bit more, and then he's got a special on tonight, uh, you guys can watch live, or you can watch me, uh, DJing it live, and listen, uh, I think he's gonna be on at 7, uh, Eastern Time, so check it out, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, is imminently relevant. So here's a little bit of truth in movies talking about, uh, I think, Godzilla and Kong. I, I don't personally understand why they call them Titans. So I'm hoping that he will explain that because I, I thought Titans were more humanoid. I mean, I don't know. So let's find out what that's about. Up. 
So he puts his hand up like that to block the rays. So it really gives you the impression that he's home, right? So he looks over at this little girl who happens to be his friend, and they zoom in on her ear, just like that. And then they show you she's deaf. Now, a deaf child, specifically a deaf character in a movie, especially some sort of apocalyptic movie, which all the Godzilla movies are, um, it's referring to people who go deaf during the decompressurization, or uh, depressurization, I should say, of our world. They go deaf. Like, not everybody does, but many people, their ears can't handle it. Whenever the world depressurizes, all the air gets sucked up for a bit, and ears bleed, noses bleed, and that's why you see a lot of this in the movies. They're letting you know. They didn't have to make the little girl deaf. That was not a part of the script. Like, it did not have to be that. Uh, then we got King Kong, who's actually about to throw something up at the sky right now. Hold on. Let's do something. Let's do something a little bit different here. Let's do this. I'm going to switch it up for just a bit. For myself, actually. Because there's not a lot of people in the chat, and I did make it members only i'm gonna go ahead and turn that off for a bit because i like it when there's people in the chat so i want people to be able to respond and stuff so members only is off i don't know if, how i feel about all that but we'll play it by ear anyway everybody's invited to the chat today all right so um godzilla is taking up a tree and he gets really mad and he throws it he chucks it up at the sky right and it breaks the sky as you can see right there, like it looks like the sky is sort of glass-like and it starts to crumble and fall apart. And then you can sort of see like there's like this grid action on the sky. It kind of reminds me of, um, what was that movie? Um, the movie, The Hunger Games, right? The Hunger Games, whenever they're inside of that domed, controlled, pressurized atmosphere or whatever, and then they shoot up to the dome and they break it open. It's also in a few other movies, too. Hey, Lily Buds! Lily Buds L. Boogie is in the chat and says, Oh my goodness, we're on the save wavelengths. I just fell asleep watching this movie. <laughs> Alright, so he throws it up at the sky. That's the opening scene. A domed world, an enclosed world. This is a fake world that they have Kong in. He's actually on Skull Island for some reason. Like I don't know why I just didn't let him live in Skull Island. They built him a facility on Skull Island to make him think he's on Skull Island, which is kind of weird to me. But anyway, the whole concept is they're showing you a fake world. This is like the Truman Show, you know, like we accept the reality with which we're presented. Kong did not. Kong saw right through that and he hated it. This movie starts off by Kong wanting out. He wants out. He knows it's not real. He knows he's confined. He's restricted to that place. So he throws this uh, pole. He like takes a tree, throws it up at the sky, and he breaks a hole in the dome. And that's how this movie starts. A hole breaking in the dome. What's up to Brian Clark and Jason Veritas in the chat, along with David? So this is like a little sector. You can see right here that this is the dome world that he lives in, and then a piece of it breaks open. So this is all plasma apocalypse symbolism, okay? So whenever, uh, whenever giants and titans um, are enter into this world, I should say, or they begin to grow, or they enter down from above or from below, <laughs> then um, that's how everything starts. 
That's how it all starts, is the sky breaks open. That's how it has to start. You'll see that a lot of times in different movies, too. Like, all the really, like, right before something major happens, a window shatters, a glass breaks, a mirror breaks, somebody goes through a mirror, whatever it may be. That's all the dome, the sky opening up. Now, they go to this thing where it shows the Arctic Sea. Hey, can you hear that? Kristen! Kristen just donated $3 and says, thank you. You're super welcome, and thank you, too, for your donation and your support. Actually, she put a little sticker in the chat. It says, my hero. Aww. So, they're going to the Arctic Sea. This is just the credits. Man, I gotta speed this up. I I might be talking about this movie for as long as the movie is. I don't know. I'm just saying. The Arctic Sea. See how it says Hollow Earth up here? See? Hollow Earth right there. So, they're showing you in the credits the Arctic Ocean. This is the this is basically right around the North Pole, and they wrote Hollow Earth Expedition up there. They also uh, reference these books by this guy in the movie who wrote about the Hollow Earth, which is really interesting. Like, he talks about this gravity paradox. See that? In his book, in the movie, that's not real, right? He talks about how there's this gravity paradox, which is exactly what happens when you go into the Earth. Gravity, if you want to call it that, follows the structure of our world so if you go inside of the earth that structure starts to bend and change gravity also starts to bend and change that's why i talk about a leap of faith in so many of these movies there's always some kind of a leap of faith where it looks like if you jumped you would fall but gravity switches and changes and reverses and you don't we're actually going to see that in this movie in just a bit uh, so the hollow earth, they have this guy who's like this, this known researcher or somebody in the scientific world, and he's put down because of his beliefs. You're going to see a lot of that type of stuff as far as like awakened individuals being put down in this movie. This guy who wrote the book is one of them. However, they end up needing his advice when they go to an ex uh, an expedition to the hollow earth. Here we've got Skull Island, right? Now, the reason I took this picture is because you see the storm that's constantly around Skull Island, just like that. And I, in the movie, they try to like show you that Skull Island is like somewhere near Hawaii or something. Nah, Skull Island is right at the middle of the world, and there's a constant storm there. How could there be a constant storm, a perfectly circular storm, off to the side of the world or something? Doesn't it make more sense that it would be in the middle of the world? Just like it's shown to us by NASA and other space agencies where they show you these... Uh, planets the way that they portray them to be with these constant storms and those constant storms are always for the most part at the top or at the bottom right then of course you like the eye of jupiter that moves around and stuff like that but that one's a moving storm it's not a constant stuck storm in one ge geographic area right this one is so that's why i say that the skull island is the location is at the north pole that's the entrance to the inner earth that's why you have kong right here the titan in the very middle of the dome, right? He's at the North Pole. That's Rupus Negra. That's the Black Mountain that um, that all the magnets point to and everything. That's why they put Kong right there smack in the middle of the dome. Okay, so then they start showing some interesting things about Kong. Especially, they want to show you that he has this opposable thumb. Can you see it right there? It says opposable thumb. It's kind of small. But anyways... They want to point this out. They're showing you this isn't just a monkey. It's not just an overgrown monkey. This is a titan. This is a humanoid, human titan that's just been turned into a monkey through caricature and story form over the years. Right? King Kong wasn't just invented by somebody in their imagination, you know, 50, 80 years ago, however long ago it was, right? 
This is a real story. This is a kaiju story. The kaiju are the class of titans or um, giants that are huge, like as tall as skyscrapers. They've been talked about. We talk about them on my channel a lot. They've been talked about throughout history. So you've got Godzilla over here on the left. The main event. I wish I had music right now. The main event. Godzilla. Got it. Got Godzilla it shows all the, all the titans that he's already defeated, right? I'm going to get into some of these later. Um, because some of them are not actually representative of titans, real titans, like humanoid titans that walk about or titanic um, phantasoids or things like that. Some of these are representative of nature and they combine it. So you're going to see a lot of combinations of symbolism here. We just have to recognize what the symbolism means, right? So, for example, first thing we see, Godzilla represents blue. Baby blue and white. Boom. Right there. All the time. You're going to see that all throughout this video. Kong represents more of like the orange or red world. There's reasons for that. So we're going to talk about that as well as we move on. Now it shows you Apex. Apex is... What's up everybody in the chat? I see everybody saying hi. Apex, this is humanity. This is civilization and technology. This is the apex of our civilization, our human civilization. Um, that's when you have the titans. That's when you have um, the battle between the giants and the gods and the, the earthlings or humans, whatever you want to call them, is at the apex of every civilization. Once it reaches, reaches its apex, that's when, boom, the world depressurizes. You actually, you can see it in their logo here. Let me make this a little bigger. Can I make this bigger? All right, check out the logo. Actually, I think it's on the next one. Hold up. Let me go to the next one. Boom. Boom. There it is right there. Okay, so I took a picture of it. As you can see on this slide right up here, this little apex symbol. Now down here, I just zoomed in on it for you. This is not a circle. This is a dome. They're showing you the dome of your world. And then this volcano shape in the middle, and then this entrance or exit at the top and down here on the sides, right? Here's the world, boom. Here's one exit. Here's some other exits around the edge. This movie goes into the Antarctic um, region and the entrances into the hollow earth down there. There's also the entrance into our world from above. So I just want to share that. <coughs> Excuse me. So they talk about Apex. Apex represents um, not just humanity and our attempt at things, but it represents our birth, our creation, which is technology, right? I mean, of course, it's been passed down to us. We recreate it. We piece it back together. But that's our baby. And it's just, a much, just as much a part of the big game as everything else, as titans, as gods, as humans. Our, our birth, our creation is just as much a part of this. It's going to actually play a pretty big part of the movie. Now here you zoom in on the eye. Just one eye. This is your one eye symbolism. The one eye of the plasma apocalypse. The opening in the sky. The eye in the sky. The wheel in the sky. People call it different things. And over here, we've got Godzilla on the hunt. Godzilla's looking for this thing. It senses it. It knows it's there. It wants to fix it. It wants to right it. In the movie, they're seeing Godzilla as just destroying the world. Which... Godzilla does represent one of the world destroyers, which we'll talk about as well. But he also represents the world healer. How can you represent the destroyer and the healer at the same time? I'll show you. Anyways, he's looking for this thing. This is the red eye. This is the plasma-possessed eye. The red plasma from above and the blue plasma from below. 
Okay? This is this movie is just telling us, to me at least, the story of our lives. It's telling us exactly what we go through all the time. So check this out. The dad starts arguing with the girl. This is eleven, right? Somebody in my uh, chat or not chat, somebody in uh, the Facebook group, the Plasma Apocalypse Facebook group, points it out that this is L or eleven, and she goes to the literal upside down in this movie, which is pretty cool. Um, so she's talking about this podcast, basically some YouTuber or podcaster or whatever, um, who's some conspiracy nut, truther, whatever, and he's looking into this corporation that's using technology for evil, for their selfish own gains, right? And she's trying to tell her dad about it, but he's like, that podcast is filling your head with garbage. So they wanted to make a point of that in the movie. Now think about it. They didn't have to include that. She could have got this information from anywhere. She could have been re reading ancient texts or anything. But they chose to point out that there is a truth movement happening. And that those who don't recognize, those who are stuck in their old ways like her dad, that don't see the deeper implication of what's happening in our world, they don't recognize the truth. So whenever the, the other people are listening to it, they tend to shun them. Right? Now, this is the um, Asian guy. I don't know where he's from. Secret Asian man. Um, so he jumps Chinese in here. He actually... I'm not going to go into him too much, but he basically mind controls the new Mecha Godzilla, which makes an appearance towards the end. Um, but this is what I wanted to show you. See how it doesn't say Godzilla? Godzilla. That's not what that creature is even called. <laughs> like, that's the cowboy... Americanization of a foreign word. And that happens a lot, too. But his name is Gojira. Gojira. And they say it, it kind of sounds like Godzilla if they say it fast. That's how we interpret it, right? Gojira essentially means gorilla. Isn't that interesting? Why would the lizard, giant lizard, stegosaurus-looking dude, fanazoid thing be named a gorilla literally named a gorilla right a giant so he's literally a giant gorilla but he's not a gorilla king kong is a gorilla right a titan that's what they represent both symbolically right they both represent the titan race the huge gigantic beings that come about in the world to come either they enter in from below or above or they just grow here because that's what's going to happen when the world depressurizes and there's a far less um, strengthened gravitational pull. So it's a weakened gra gravitational pull, which allows people, and there's an influx of fresh oxygen, fresh oxygen and stuff. So people will grow to be gigantic, huge proportions. So these kaiju, the head of the kaiju was named after a gorilla, which is human-like. Interesting, right? Now, this guy right here, he's, he's uh, talking, they're like scientists or whatever, and he says, you always believed that Skull Island was like Hollow Earth come to the surface, right? Boom, that's right there. Hollow Earth coming to the surface is the North Pole entrance, which is uh, Mount Maru or the plasma volcano, as I like to call it, Rupus Negra, uh, the middle of the world. So this is where the dome was broken open. I took a few extra pictures. This movie is especially pleasing to the eyes. Like, there's... I love it. There's so much great color and stuff in here. This was interesting. They stopped at this place to eat. And it just happened to have this bowl. A blue bowl. And this eye. This one eye right above it. And the one eye is pouring down into the blue bowl. I thought that was super interesting. I'm not going to tell you what that means. I just... I'm going to let, 
leave that to you guys. All right, so here's the conspiracy theorist guy, right? He's like, they meet up with him because she's super interested. This guy's dropping breadcrumbs all over the place. He's actually doing hands-on research. He he uh, got a job with the company to be like on the inside and stuff. And she knows she needs to talk to this guy. They need to figure some stuff out because there's bad guys in the world, right? So the first question he asks as a conspiracy crazy guy is tap or no tap, right? So she's sitting there with her little buddy right here. And she's like, no tap. Like, she already knows what's up. Her buddy's like, excuse me, what, what is tap? And he goes, water. They put fluoride in it. They learned it from the Nazis. And then she says, yeah, the theory is that it makes you docile, easy to manipulate. So he goes, oh, I drink tap water. <laughs> and then the guy, the guy's like, yeah, I, I kind of figured that. <laughs> but then he's like, that, that part killed me as a truther like that part super killed me that he's like i kind of figured you did right people who are more susceptible to taking commands being programmed told what to do how to live what's beautiful what's not beautiful right so anyways um here's an image of godzilla shooting or blasting his atomic breath which is the blue beam that shoots up from rupus negra when the energy of our world reverses or we go through what's called a uh, a polarity reversal um, an electromagnetic polarity reversal, right? And that blue beam shoots up from the middle of our world. Right now it's retracted. The energy is coming downwards, going downwards, and so it goes down inside of the world. But when the energy reverses in our world, it shoots upward, all the way up to the sky. It also makes pictures, believe it or not. Um, people interpret these shapes. I should say it makes shapes. It makes shapes. The plasma that shoots up, all the plasma makes different shapes okay it can take any form and we interpret it however is best for us we interpret it according to our culture according to our history according to our experiences according to our creativity our creativity level um we interpret this in so many different ways and one of the ways that we interpret it is the hanging man this is uh i mean i you could call him the hanging man whatever you want to call him but basically the plasma starts to branch out at the top and the bottom and then in the middle it makes like sort of like giant plasma balls and stuff but anyways um the plasma makes shapes it turns into what people interpret as the world tree or the man on the tree or the man on the cross or the god on the cross or the god on the tree etc and so on and so forth right so they show you these images here and allow your subconscious to pick up on the truth while you're entertained or while you're amused, while you're really not thinking about it consciously. But here you have the blue beam, boom, shooting straight up into the sky as Godzilla does. But it, the blue beam also retracts and goes down into the earth. We'll see that in a bit. All right, so I took this picture of Godzilla. Why did I, I mean, King Kong, why did I take this picture? Oh, he's underwater. He's underwater in this picture. So this is huge uh, for me because oh, I, I, I tend to study the Titans and the Giants. And the different names that they were called from myth to legends to various historical accounts and religions and stuff, they're called by different names. They're not always called Titans, you know, like there's many different words in the world. OK, Titan is just one word. OK, there's many different descriptors. Sometimes they just call them really big giants or whatever. But there's definitely a distinction between the Titans and the giants themselves. The Titans were also known as um like Medusa, she was a Gorgon. 
right? The word gorg, if you research the etymology and the root of the word gorg, essentially it's related to many words that mean to swallow or to drink or to gurgle or things of that nature, right? They're drowning is, oh, wh is why they're called this, basically. They are the ones who drowned in the worldwide flood or the cataclysm or the earth even liquefaction itself when the earth starts to shake and shake and shake you don't have to have a, a pool of water to drown in these beings have nothing to hold on to so they're just sinking down into the ground and drowning which is how a lot of them were purported to die the titans many of them drowned they were sucked down into the inner earth into sheol or whatnot now, some lived and some didn't. All right, so then we skip to Antarctica, the Hollow Earth Launch Station. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking at the chat real quick. All right, so we got um, Antarctica. Now, I would, I if it was me, I would take the North Pole. That's how I would get into the Earth. But I believe there are many different entrances. There's always exceptions and anomalies. But the main entrance, I believe, is at the North Pole. Side entrances, I also believe, can be found in going to the edges of the world, or Antarctica, a.k.a. where the sky meets the earth, right? There's actually a story. If you've ever, if you ever seen, like, that picture of this guy who's, like, lifting up, like, the dome of the sky and kind of looking underneath it and seeing to the other, like, space or whatever you want to call it, and there's all these wheels and lights and stuff out there, um, that is that, – that picture, that painting was drawn from a true – account from a real actual historical account of people who ventured off towards the edges of the world towards antarctica to look for the edge of the world and they according to the stories uh they found it <laughs> like they found it and they they were able to look beyond or around or under and see what was there some people actually have written various accounts and books and stuff of coming out from the inside of the earth at the North Pole. For example, you've got the Smoky God. That book describes a father and son who went into the earth at the North Pole and came out in Antarctica, which is really interesting. All right, so here, uh, basically, you've got King Kong. You see him right there? Boom. King Kong jumps into the inner earth entrance. He starts to fall. Right? There's this sort of liquidy thing. That's why I took this picture right here. Can you see that liquid right there? This reminded me of Moana, right? If you've ever seen Disney's Moana. Uh, when Moana and Maui, they climb this huge, like, it's basically, it's it's Rupus Negra, okay? Like, they climb it all the way to the top, and then they jump inside of it. It's a plasma volcano. Now, when they jump inside of it, it looks exactly like this. And they even hit, like, this liquidy water thing, and then they go through it down into what they call the realm of the monsters. Now, the realm of the monsters, there are monsters inside the earth. There's not a lot of monsters on the surface because there's living conditions up here on the surface are not that awesome in comparison to what lies beneath, according to my research, at least. Uh, the inside of the world is much more habitable, tropical, um, you know, more of like a garden-type presence. Lots of gigantic beings and plants and animals and stuff like that. It's really, it sounds to me like a, a pretty sweet place, I'm just going to say. But anyways, they go down to the realm of the monsters. Or in this movie, they go down into the inner earth entrance, right? And if one of the first things that Godzilla does, I mean, not Godzilla, what's his name? 
uh, Gojira, the gorilla. That's why I keep missing him, mixing him up. Uh, one of the first thing King Kong does is he kills this giant phanazoid, right? And he rips it in half and eats it. So people always ask on all my old Titan videos, like, what did the Titans eat or whatever, which I try to address. I try to address that a lot, okay? They ate lots of stuff, okay? But they ate big stuff. They're Titans. They need Titan food. You know, you can't just make them little corn on the cob, human-sized, and just give them 50 of them or whatever. They need big food. So they ate phantasoids when they wanted meat. Uh, when they didn't, they would eat giant mushrooms or giant vegetation of other kinds, right? So Godzilla, I mean, man, I'm going to do that the whole time. What's his name? King Kong. So King Kong takes off, right? And as you can see here, I just took a picture where this mountain touches this mountain. And all throughout, you can sort of see the floating mountains, the flying mountains, whatever you want to call them. These have made their way into our collective subconscious as well. For some reason, we just think there has to be some way that the earth or pieces of the earth can just float up there and we can just go up. See, the thing is, we think we think it just uh, is right oh, there. It should be right there in our, uh, in our line of sight. What if it is beyond, just beyond our line of sight? Or what if it's down there inside of the earth where gravity starts to act a little funny due to the shape of our world or the true nature of our world, right? All right. So at this point, I want to stop just for a bit. And I want to say what's up to everybody in the chat. We got Travis, Shaka Khan, <laughs> Third Eye Survivor, Kristen Chambers. Hey, Lily Buds, El Boogie, Plain View. Good to see you too. Loon Through the Ether. Hey. Okay, so what I want to do really is I kind of want to break down the, the, the word Kong, um, but I don't want to go too deep into it because it's a whole study. Holy cow. I, I probably studied that word and its origins for like, man, two hours at least. Anyways, so the word Kong is, I'm going to break it down short version, is related to the word king. And the word king stems from Kingu. Kingu um, if you read like some of the early Babylonian creation myths, like the Enuma Elish and whatnot, the Sumerian gods and stuff, they start talking about these gods like Tiamat and Kingu and um, some other ones as well. So Kingu, let's break that down. What does Kingu mean? The ancient words are basically two letters long. They're just two pictures combined. Okay. Those are the shortest ones. Now you can do one letter, but it doesn't have a lot of context if it's just one picture. So two pictures created the first words, okay? So we break everything down into its smallest form, K-I. If you research those same creation myths, there are these gods named Enki and Enlil. I totally made my chair go down. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> Enki means Lord of the Earth. En, or On, or on, however you like to pronounce it, okay, was interpreted as the word Lord. It's not really what it means, but that's what it's interpreted as. And then Ki means Earth, right? Lord of the Earth. Anunnaki, right? Those who from the heavens to Earth fell, okay? So Ki means Earth, essentially. So Ki, now we've got a weird word, NG. Is that really a word? Can we trace that to something, right? NG is a word, Nug, Nag, Nig. How do, you, how do you pronounce that? It's all of them. Because there were no vowels, okay? It was up to you to pronounce that however, that middle part, that transitional, however you want to. So, ki means earth. Ing, or neg, or nag, or nag, however you want to call it, 
I wrote it down, actually. Let me, let me get this out here. So the letters NG, nag, implies, okay, because in these ancient languages, there was no straight-up definition. Okay, it was all open to interpretation. And some of those interpretations were widely accepted and some weren't. You had to read the rest of it to gather more context. So NG, nag. Some of you might be thinking the naga, right? The naga. Some people might be thinking eggnog. I don't know. <laughs> both of you would be correct because they're both pretty similar. So the naga were the shining serpent gods of Hinduism, essentially, right? We're going to talk about that. NG conveys action of influence. In other words, to prod, to cause something else to move uh, oh no. or to become active. Like the first rays of the morning sun or by extension, shining and shepherd. So remember that very first image we saw of King Kong when the first morning rays of sun are beaming down on him, causing him to take action? I don't think that's accidental. I think they're showing you like... Uh, anyway, so K-I-N-G. K-I means earth, and G means influencer, essentially. I mean, there's lots of ways you could describe that. Now, how about N-G-E-L? A means behold, or ah, or whoa, other things as well. N-G, influencer, E-L, strong leader, L, right? Angel. Anagael. Anagael, Anagael, Angel, Angel, Angel. See what I'm saying? So, I thought that was really interesting. King Kong. Essentially, his name is repetitive and, redund and redundant as well. He is the king of the influencers, of the worldly influencers, essentially, is what his name would translate to, I believe. All right, let's move on. So, King Kong gets to the middle of the world, and then you see this. He gets to a cliff. Guess what it is? It's the leap of faith. It's the leap of faith. Now, oh, I, heard, I hear about the leap of faith so many times in mainstream popularity and people talk about it like it's all symbolic. Like, yeah, you just got to take a leap of faith, bro. You just got to believe and just go out there and get that job or whatever. No, like that's yes. Okay, that does exist. However, I'm talking about a physical, literal, actual jumping off of something, thinking you're really going to fall to your doom, but gravity switches and changes because of where you are. Hey, Loon through the ether just fed the jelly $10 and put a sticker in the chat. And he sees what's going on. He takes his leap of faith and he jumps and he floats and he keeps floating. He goes right past. You see where all those rocks are right there? That is what you would call the asteroid belt. Or, you know, that's what academia would call the asteroid belt. You see in the background, you can also see some more rocks floating over there. This is where you hit the neutral point between the two poles, right? So, for example, we have one up there in our sky right now. If you go beyond, like, I believe where the sun is right now. Hey, Kristen Chambers just fed the deli. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Anyways, um, if you go high up enough, I believe that there probably is a neutral point up there where rocks and stones and other objects, debris are floating around. That's our actual asteroid belt. It can also exist within the Earth as well. Wherever there's a pool or a tug between these two um, geomagnetic forces. That's where you have your neutral point. That's where things can float. That's where you have zero gravity or whatnot. 
Kong jumps up. Now, if you had noticed, you see where he's jumping to this other mountain? It's actually a hand. It's a giant petrified hand. Man, I thought I took a picture of the hand. I guess I didn't. Anyways, that's another hand. It's just upside down. It's reaching out towards Kong. Kong's reaching up towards it. That is, doesn't look to me. They didn't explain it in the movie. Those are my favorite breadcrumbs when they never explain it. They just put some weird stuff in there. Um, that's a giant petrified hand. To me, that is not, you know, somebody made a huge statue for some reason and it just happens to be a hand and pointing that direction. No, that's a huge, giant, petrified, titanic hand, right? Now look how small Kong looks in comparison to it. He's supposed to be the biggest there is with Godzilla. There may have been bigger. All right, so this guy right here, he's the Gojira guy. He puts on this uh, thing and he like basically does this uplink to this Mecha Godzilla. Now, Mecha Godzilla is represented by the red plasma that shoots out, okay? This is the plasma possession that takes place with all of our electronics, all of our robots, all of our technology and our babies that we created, we collectively, turn on us. <laughs> They all become plasma possessed when their red plasma comes down, for the most part. There's always exceptions and anomalies. Um, but they all, they all become plasma possessed. The plasma that comes down on a search and destroy mission to cleanse this world as a part of the reset, to make way for that blue plasma and reinvigorating energy that fills our world once again, this thing has a purpose. This thing has um, a pretense. It has a job to do. So whenever it goes into some sort of a body, that body becomes the vessel for that job to get done, if that makes sense. Anyways, so he shoots out this red plasma, destroying this thing right here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the hand. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I forgot why I took a picture of this hand. But that's where um, King Kong puts his hand on there. Man, it was something to do with the origin of King Kong. I'm going to remember that another time and come back to it. So King Kong looks at his hand, right? And he's like, hmm, this probably goes there. Then he goes down into this huge mountain. Now look, this is Kong. You see that right there? A tiny little... That's Kong. He has a home now. This is a titan. Titans don't have homes up here on the surface. There's nothing big enough to really hold them, you know? Uh, we had to build huge, gigantic temples or houses for the quote-unquote giants or gods of this world. What did the Titans have? Nothing. They were wanderers. They wandered about, okay? They didn't have any protection from the elements. So whenever these worldwide cyclical cataclysms happened, when there's Titans, guess who's the first to, to usually go? The Titans, right? But down here inside of the earth, they actually have plenty of room to walk around, room to call themselves or carve themselves a home, right? To have chairs and walls and all that stuff down here inside of the earth. The earth itself is huge and vastly bigger than the Titans themselves in comparison. So what better home for the Titans than inside of this world that already has a roof and walls and everything ready to go, right? Now, if you read the book of Enoch, that book, I would highly recommend, takes you down personally into the inner earth and talks about what it looks like. And it says there's titans and giants down there inside of the earth. There's different sections inside of the earth where these are where the titans live, these are where the giants live. It's all there in the book of Enoch. But it makes sense to me. This is his home. This is where he belongs. Hey, Lily Buds, El Boogie just donated $20. And says, and a super chat sticker with a little flag going back and forth. 
thank you. Man, you guys are super awesome. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you guys enjoy that I do these kinds of things. Now, somebody pointed out these. These are their vessels right here. And basically, um, these are the vessels they use to get into the inner earth. Somebody on my uh, my Facebook group pointed out that these kind of look like tard tardigrades. Like these could represent tardigrades. They're super electrical. They kind of have huge legs and stuff. It very well could be. Tardigrades do have more legs than that, but I can definitely see through that to the symbolism. Then, this one's kind of hard to see, but you can see Kong's feet. He's sitting down right now. So I just want to give you a comparison, because remember we were talking about King Og? Well, King Og, it said he was brought down because his Achilles tendon, or his ankle, was chopped at by people or beings who were about this size. They had to jump way up high just to bring them down. And that's the last King Og video I did. I highly recommend checking out that if you want to learn more about how to actually bring down a real Titan and the way that they used to used to do that now check out kong he's just chilling in his throne his big old chair he's got a sofa or something he's got a little staff there he loves it he's never had a place to actually sit without breaking something this is his home on the inside of our world now it's not just this movie it's not just movies in general okay the inner earth or hollow earth is not fiction it's been a part of our culture for hundreds and thousands of years some of our most educated societies that we have stood upon their shoulders in order to establish our academia, our modern academia, all believed that there was an inside, internal, hollow portion, portion to our earth. People called it by different names. Sometimes they called it Shambhala. Sometimes they called it other things. Have I seen Arrival, says Kristen Chambers. Yes, I have. That movie cracks me up. Let me break down Arrival in like two seconds, okay? However long. Okay, these aliens come down and they keep drawing this big circle. And they're like, I think he's trying to warn us. What does it say? What do you think it is? And they're just drawing a circle over and over and over. What if he's just drawing the circle of the eye in the sky that opens up and they just don't listen? Evan Scorpio, hey, just donated $50 or 50A or whatever that is. Either way, 50 more than I didn't have earlier. Thank you, Evan. I like your little picture too. And I love this little super chat sticker. You guys are sweet today. I appreciate you. All right, so let's get back to the movie, right? This picture you see right here is the skull. So the conspiracy people, they go in, they see the skull of King Ghidorah. They say, no, that's not, that's not just any Titan skull. That's Monster Zero. Now, speaking of Arrival, remember how they kept drawing a zero over and over and over and over? And the people are like, how do we interpret it? It must be some kind of advanced language. What if it's just a zero? What if it's just an uh, O, a circle, and they're trying to warn you in that movie, The Arrival? Anyways, Monster Zero, Ghidorah is one of the uh, kaiju class, um, phanazoids or titans, whatever you want to call it, that does not completely represent the physical actual titans. Ghidorah, the word Ghidorah actually is related to, um, what was it? The word... Um, not Kraken. What's that other word for like a, a multi-headed... Man, I just totally lost it. Hold up. Let's find out. Let's Google it real quick. I can remember this. Ghidorah. Not the Kraken. It's, uh, it's always that bad guy organization on like shield and stuff. What do they call? <laughs> Somebody in the chat knows. I'm waiting for it. Um... Anyways, so that's what Ghidorah is basically plasma, okay? Ghidorah represents the plasma that comes down 
Um, he's the being, he's that creature that you can chop off one of its heads and it grows back. That's plasma, okay? You can cut the plasma and it will grow right back, okay? Instantly. And that's what he represents. The Hydra! Woo! My fossil guy! Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, the, the Hydra. So, Ghidorah. Okay, thank you so much for helping me out. All right, so there is actually like this sort of silent g -g 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 guttural sound that is can either be an H or a G or both, like ghost or whatever, right? Uh, so, Hydra, 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 etc. So that's what Ghidorah is. Thank you so much for your help. That's killing me. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ghidorah represents the Hydra or the multi-headed serpent being not really a serpent not a physical actual undulating dragon or whatever that comes into our world not that there aren't such things however this is symbolic of the plasma that undulates and flies down into our world these are the sky worms that's monster zero when the sky opens up in a big circle up in our sky or the eye or whatever you want to call it and those tentacles come on down that's why you have these little tentacle things connected to its head up here you'll see in a bit he says it's a living supercomputer this is pretty interesting to me they've got this hooked up to like a skeleton they're basically implying that the skeleton has memory which i believe it does but also what it's saying whenever the plasma comes down into our world right it becomes a supercomputer in and of itself because it's literally a group soul a group a group soul complex or energy that is all connected at the source but branches out and shares one mind a hive mind whatever you want to call it Ghidorah was the same thing they actually mentioned this in the movie they say that Ghidorah his neck was so long between the three heads that he had to use telepathy in order to communicate. Otherwise, they would take forever to like communicate between the other heads. Telepathy is one of the things that happens during the plasma apocalypse when it's uh, our world is invigorated and, and uh, filled with energy and plasma and electromagnetics. These types of things become possible. Anyways, he says it's a psionic uplink. They're talking to you in this movie. They're talking to you and telling you exactly what is going to come, what's what's capable in the world to come and in our world today and other things. He says it follows his will. What are they talking about? Are they talking about the, the Asian dude is inside of the skull on one level? They're also talking about the plasma following his will, following the will of the root of the plasma, the source of the plasma that goes back and reports to you whatever it reports to you. So those things that are possessed by the plasma will follow his will as well. This was pretty interesting to me. Godzilla used Godzilla didn't used to have so much neon. Okay, I don't know if you guys ever watched the old Godzilla movies. Not a lot of neon. It was more like rubber and plastic looking. But they made a point to make sure Godzilla was always blue. Now, why is Godzilla always blue? It's because of what Godzilla represents. Twofold, two different things. And you'll see that represented here as well. I want to talk about Godzilla. I'm just going to tell you real quick. Godzilla is blue because it represents the blue beam that we talked about when he ah, does his atomic breath and shoots it straight up into the sky for some reason, right? Kind of a waste of a super weapon, wouldn't you say? Like, unless there's someone directly above you, like, why not save that energy and, like, point it other places, which he does in the movie. But, come on. There's a reason why he's always shooting that blue beam straight up into the sky. One, he represents uh, the light, 
the light of the world that the wise men follow and go to after the post after the apocalypse or whatnot represents the tree of life represents all kinds of great and wonderful healing qualities when it's shooting up but also where is it I'm going to come back to all that. Godzilla also shoots down. Here he is taking a big old breath. <gasps> ah, you think he's going to shoot up into the air, but he tricks you. And he's like, Bruh, and he shoots it straight down into the ground. That's the blue beam retracting itself, going back down into the inner earth. It's all related. Let me go back a step here. So Kong finds this little weapon. It's an axe. It has to be an axe. Um, I'll tell you why it has to be an axe, basically. According to... Plasma apocalypse symbolism, the axe that he's holding onto, this bright blue weapon that protects him or whatever, is the cross. Okay? It's an axe, it's a cross, it's a hammer, it's all these weapons of the ancient gods all put into one. And the reason that it's like that, I didn't actually get any drawings prepared this time, but the reason is because that blue beam shoots up and boom, hits the dome and spreads out. Or even spreads out in the first dome not completely you know spreading out all the way but then going through to the second dome and spreading out again giving you the world tree the double cross and other things right anyway that's the weapon that stops the hydra that is the weapon that you this, you see that up here and it means that the enemy the dragon has been destroyed the sword has sliced into the heart of the dragon however you want to see it it's described in so many different ways so they had to give king kong this axe basically this blue light up axe then when he gets it, you see this Ouroboros in the shape of Godzilla sort of going around Kong. The Ouroboros represents the plasma that wraps around our world. It also represents the cyclical nature of this event where the head or the beginning meets the tail or the end. It happens over and over and over. Godzilla is a cyclical phenomenon. That's why he shows up does his thing and disappears for a long time and goes to sleep under the ocean like this is all the same uh world killer god gods that you see across all of existence basically from cthulhu to pennywise to all kinds of other people like these are the these are the world killers Sometimes they're actually world helpers. So um, Godzilla takes a deep breath. You think he's going to shoot up, but he shoots down. He retracts the beam, shoots it down to the earth. I'm going to show you what that does in a minute. Um, this guy cracks me up. He's the conspiracy guy. And he's looking at that, that light-up Ghidorah skeleton. And he's like, if this thing wasn't contributing to world destruction, this would be a great DJ booth. <laughs> like... And I love that part because that's exactly what I was thinking like about the movie in general because it's so pleasing to look at. All these glowing lights everywhere and everything. And on top of that, on a realistic note, that's probably what it's going to look like in the world around you. Beautiful, amazing as the world is coming to an end. The most spectacular and gorgeous thing you have ever laid eyes on. The greatest show on earth. Now, the giant Stegosaurus turns around he's basically that's the other part of godzilla he doesn't just represent the blue beam right he also represents the phanazoids or the titanic phanazoids or some people call them dinosaurs right now what did dinosaurs really look like that's up for debate and a lot of speculation on many people's parts and stuff however there seem to be bones of huge giant monstrous creatures i call them phantazoids boom welcome stegosaurus or whatever <laughs> It's basically Stegosaurus versus 
giant monkey. All right, so Godzilla, um, he shoots the blue beam out. Now, I want to talk about the reverse of the blue beam. So when it shoots up from the ground from Mount Maru, it's basically the healing energy of our world. However, when the sun is going around, and that, like I talked about on a, a couple of videos ago, how the sun, um, the light or the plasma tube above our world gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter every other time, right? When that happens, the light that comes down and creates that focal point gets tighter and tighter and tighter as well. That turns into a blue star. And the sunlight from that blue star is so hot because it's so energetic, it changes in the color spectrum from uh, orange to like yellow to like yellowish white to like whitish blue to like blue. And that's what our sun does. And when the sun does that, the sunlight or the daytime becomes unbearably hot to the point where it starts to burn and scorch the earth itself. That's the other side to Godzilla. That's Godzilla's bad side, okay? So when he's shooting up in the air, he's a symbol of peace and hope and unity and the end of the war. When he's shooting down, not so much, right? He can burn things with that, right? I, I think that it's possible that the plasma, once it reverses, might actually be cool plasma or warm plasma or not plasma that burns i don't know yet i'm just saying that's like a theory i'm working on so don't i, I wouldn't recommend just jumping into it to try it throw a rock in it or something <laughs> all right so then we've got mecha godzilla now as it turns out isn't this weird it's not really the movie is not really godzilla versus kong not at all that's not what this movie is about that's what it's called but that's all people see they don't understand what's really happening. You see, Godzilla versus Kong is a distraction. Godzilla versus Kong is is orchestrated division. Kong and Godzilla are on the same team. Godzilla beats his butt time and time again in this movie, so I'm giving it to Godzilla. If there is, if anybody's keeping score, I'm sorry, but I feel like Godzilla whooped King Kong throughout the whole movie. Um, King, Kong, King Kong had some sweet moves, but Godzilla pretty much won in my book, and he has to, because they're constantly, they, they create one another. It's a loop. They need one another, like the Joker and Batman, like they can't kill each other, right? So, as it turns out, they're actually buddies. So, in the end, I'm not doing, I don't do spoiler alerts, so, uh, if you, bro, if you're watching this and you saw, like, you already know, I'm, a bit, I'm talking about the movie. But they gang, they, they gang up, they team up together to fight the real evil, which is Mecha Godzilla, which is symbolic twofold. One of plasma-possessed plasma technology. I can't talk today, I'm stuttering so much. Plasma-possessed technology that takes over our world. You can call it artificial intelligence or Skynet or whatever you'd like to call it. It's locked in our collective subconscious that our machines will turn on us. And this is how it's locked in our collective subconscious that our machines will turn to life by themselves and gain their own freedom and independence. And it's also locked in our subconscious that they will become killers like, for some reason. This is why the plasma comes down. It incorporates itself, which means it goes into a body, into our world, and it starts to kill. And it starts to clean out. It starts to clean house, basically. Right. So. The Titan teams up with the blue beam of the world to kill the real killer, which is the red plasma. The red plasma comes down from above with the fingers of God and it electrocutes as it grounds itself all over the place. There's crazy spectacle, huge show going on, right? 
And this is the symbol that there's a war going on as well. Other beings are coming into our world. Monsters are appearing out of nowhere. Uh, you know, giant locust-looking things stinging people. Zombies, people can't die, etc. And so on and so forth. All of that is represented by that red plasma that comes down into our world. The blue beam is what stops it. So, Kong could not kill Mechagodzilla on his own. You have to have the blue beam. You have to have the power of the blue plasma to kill the red plasma. It's not really killing it. It's just making its appearance, which represents that the, the energy, the electromagnetics, are no longer flowing in a downward direction. So the red fingers of God disappear. They're cut off when our dome is reestablished or our, our electromagnetic uh, confinement dome, barrier, whatever you want to call it, that naturally makes itself around our world reappears, cuts off the quote-unquote fingers of God, they all fall down to the earth, they're now individualized and separate, or become so over time, and um, the blue beam is what seems to do all of that. So, as you can see, this guy has the red eyes, he's plasma-possessed. That's what that means. In my book, according to my studies, that means you're plasma-possessed. <laughs> All right, so here we have uh, Godzilla fighting Mecha Godzilla. This is the red plasma and the blue plasma, just as we've talked about many different times. This is actually some just sweet pictures. I had to take some cool pictures of this. And hey, let me bring this down a bit so you can see it. Oh man, I messed that up. Hold up. Let me see if I can fix all that. Booyah. Okay, can we move that? can all right cool so uh the red plasma coming downward the blue beam going upward they're in a constant lock struggle okay that red plasma it wants to ground itself it needs to mate with the earth so to speak if you want to use that terminology that is the terminology that has been used about it many times this is the alchemical wedding this is the wedding of the bride and the groom the lamb and the church whatever you want to call it now, this right here is a picture of Godzilla. While Godzilla, I mean, not, dang, King Kong, Jesus. All right, here's King Kong. He's got a little defibrillator thing on his chest right here because he's actually dead or sleeping. I thought that was interesting that they have the Titan, representative of like us, basically in gigantic form, sleeping while the blue beam fights with the red beam. He's passed out. He's unconscious. I also believe that that's a little nod at the plasma apocalypse where people go unconscious when the world depressurizes. There's not a lot of oxygen, oxygen, air to breathe or whatever. It's all getting sucked up. Some people will pass out. Some out of fear. Some because they can't get enough oxygen. Some aren't, aren't very healthy or whatever. A lot of people pass out. Also, if you just if you happen to be hit a nitrous oxide cloud, that could also make you pass out. <laughs> um, but either way, I do see this theme in my research where people pass out they go unconscious they wake up and typically don't remember a lot about who they are or where they came from so the only way they can wake up kong is by electrocuting the heck out of them with this little tardigrade ship thing right um and that is resurrection there you have the resurrection scene um in the plasma apocalypse where electricity or plasma whatever you want to call it reinvigorates that which was previously thought to be dead or dying. So, King Kong, that's his name, 
King Kong grabs this axe. That's the axe we were talking about earlier. The only one that can cut off those fingers of, of God or the serpentine, uh, fiery serpents or fire worms, whatever you'd like to call them. It's plasma entering down into our world. And if you're new to my channel, I highly recommend like just researching, like, is there a plasma sphere around our world? Academia teaches there is. There's the plasma sphere and the magnetosphere. Instead of calling it a sphere, I imagine it as a dome or dome-like. Actually, I, I believe that the world is immensely more complex in shape than that, but that's just how we can see it from a localized area so that we're all on the same page. And we don't have to get into it so deep. Anyways, now the final scene of the movie, Godzilla is like, he. I mean, man, I did it again. King Kong goes back into the hollow earth and he stands upon this ledge kind of like the Lion King or whatnot. And here you can see the upside down world. See that? We've got the upside down and the right side up or vice versa, right? So think about this in the world that we live in today. Many of you have said, I feel like this world is backwards. I feel like this world is upside down. Well, maybe you're not from this part of it. Maybe some energy signature with you resonates more closely with the other world our sister world, across from us, or under us. And maybe that's why everything is in turn follow suit in this world, right? The physical has to follow the energetic or the spiritual. And so it does. And so we, we walk around going, I feel like the world's upside down. I feel like the world's upside down and backwards. Maybe it is. Maybe that's why it feels like that to you, because you're from a world that is upside down to this one. The energy is backwards. The energy is reversed. Well, the good news is for many of us out there, for those of you who feel that way, if it's true that the world is upside down and that there are other worlds who are upside down in comparison to us in other realms under or below or above us, then the good news is that if it's true that they flip and reverse direction from time to time, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, then that means that you're about to return home. That's why I can talk about things like giants and destruction and plasma and blue beams tearing things apart and huge whatever with a big old grin and smile on my face. Because I love that it's tearing up the system the way that it is, the upside down world, the world that's not right, the world that doesn't see. <sighs> and we return. We return to a place that feels right. Everything is put right again as our world grows and turns back into a garden type world. And there's giants and titans and monsters and real danger where people actually have to live and stay alive, which makes them appreciate being alive and life all that much more. I like it. All right. So that's enough about that. That's the movie Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I may have had some other things too, but a lot of times I forget. I always worry that I forget stuff. All right, so I'm going to jump back in the chat. I want to give everybody a chance to say hello, ask a question, or, you know, give me your comments about the movie. Um, do you guys have any other breadcrumbs that you want to share? I'm sure everybody's been posting in the chat the whole time. <laughs> Mine says right on. What else we got? We got uh, Fresh News 247 says I fasted... I fasted forward everything with the humans. Yeah, me too. 
Let's see, unicorns, etc. Oh, Shaka Khan says, a dark movie to watch for how witches work is Dr. Sleep. The prequel to The Shining. I totally agree. Um, I wouldn't just limit it to, to witches, though. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, the whole sucking up their energy, trying to live longer and more longer. See, okay, I just want to comment on that real quick because that's a really good one. Dr. Sleep represents... Um, there is this elite class represented by the top hat and other things, long heads and stuff. And they're used to being immortal. But when the plasma apocalypse happens, the roof blows off of this world and the world depressurizes and they come down into our world. Once it's locked, once they're locked in, the clock has begun. Now they begin to start to deteriorate. They actually become mortal. Now they die off a lot longer than we do today, but it becomes a big deal for them. They start getting paranoid. They don't want to die. They want to try to figure out how to beat it. And they do that in different ways. One of the ways, because the energy is dissipating from our world and getting weaker, uh, weaker and weaker and weaker. One of the ways is they find people who have strong energy and they just take it from them. Right. Unfortunately. But that is a pretty good movie. Yes. Good shout out. Let's see, what else? Anybody else in the chat today? Anybody got any comments? Everything's good? All right, sweet. Well, I'm not going to talk for too long. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up nice and clean. I hope you enjoyed my presentation. Um, please do leave some sweet comments of little breadcrumbs that you may have found when watching this movie as it pertains to the story of life, our story, from beginning to end, back to the beginning. Until next time, I'm Jay Dreamers, saying good vibes. And that's about all we need. <laughs> Ever. <laughs>